live from Youngsville, North Carolina and Ottawa, Canada. It's Got Mead Live, a show where you can meet all kinds of people that impact the mead making world, including beekeepers and honey specialists, people who turned a hobby into a business. And, you know, of course, people who make mead. It's always a party here at Got Mead Live. And your hosts are me, Vicki Rowe, owner of Got Mead, and uh, A.J. Ermans, longtime winemaker, mead maker, beer brewer, and all-around bad example. She's also keeper of the toothless rabbit. Um, <laughs> we are also joined now by, and later in the show they'll come in, Manny Algaresta. And, Manny, I will get that right at some point. And Ryan Carlson from the Got Mead Forums. They are respectively Manny and uh, Squatchy. For our new feature, developed by AJ and managed by AJ, Making Great Mead Back to Basics. And that's a show that will be ongoing for a while, basically stepping through making mead and helping you to create a consistently great mead. Uh, Tonight's guest is Robin... Kosoris, Robin, please correct me when you come on because I'm not entirely certain how to pronounce your last name, who is owner of Viking Alchemist in North Georgia. They are near the Atlanta area and they have been open just a month. So uh, we're excited to have them on tonight and we'll be bringing them in in a few minutes. So what are we drinking tonight, AJ? Uh, I got some Chateau Chevette spiced apple cider. Nummies. Sounds like it's a cider night because I am drinking uh, Red Branch Cider Company Hard Lemonade, the bottle that was sent to me by my lovely, lovely friends at the Mazer Cup who felt sorry for me for not being able to go. So they sent me a couple <laughs> bottles of mead. You got your pity package. I did. I got a pity package. Nice. It was great. I opened it up and I'm like, this is really heavy. And it's got bottles in it. And I was like, ooh. So thank you, Mazer Cup friends, for taking care of me. I don't feel quite so, I don't feel quite so left out anymore. But uh, Red Branch, for those of you that don't know, is actually uh, owned by the same people who do, well, Mike Fall, who owns Rabbit's Foot Meadery. So they're out of Sunnyvale, California. And if you haven't had the Red Branch hard ciders, you need to run, don't walk to your nearest distributor and get you some. The hard (laughs) lemonade is just all that and a bag of dang chips. It's so good. (laughs) Um, okay, show links, guys. Listen live on the Got Mead website, and uh, the player is always there. When we're live, it's live, and when we're not, it plays whatever the most recent show is automatically. Uh, if you're mobile, you can listen to us after the fact on iTunes, SoundCloud, or TuneIn Radio at TuneIn.com. We're also on Stitcher. Download the apps for iOS and Android. Uh, Android. Android. <laughs> from TuneIn or SoundCloud uh, or Stitcher to uh, listen to the shows after the fact. Uh, And as I said, replays are available. Uh, We have them on Got Mead, Spreaker, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, and uh, pretty much every other place. And I'm actually working to try to get us on, get this, um, iHeartRadio. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm not sure if I can make it work yet, but I'm trying. So that'll be fun. Find us on Facebook at Got Mead, and then there's a group called Got Mead as well. Uh, please uh, ask to join. I will approve you post haste usually within uh, a few hours. I'm generally around most of the time. Twitter, at Got Mead Now. If you can't call us and want to be part of the show, tweet us. And if you want to make mead, uh, check the links on gotmead.com, and also check the forum at gotmead.com slash forum. Our call-in number, you should put this on speed dial, is 803-443-MEAD. That's 803-443-MEAD, which is 6323. I had to scroll down to see that. <laughs> <laughs> if 
if you want to see Got Meat live, and for that matter, Got Meat keep growing and uh, turning and burning, become a supporting patron member. It's only $25 a year. I have actually not raised that price in almost 20 years. Uh, get access to the patron member areas in the forum, which are going to let you get in with the advanced mead-making discussions, fermentation management, award-winning recipes that you cannot find anywhere else. And uh, you're actually going to get in some people who don't hang out in the regular for- in the regular parts of the forum that like to live in the patron areas. So um, they're kind of patron forum, you know, like dwellers. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say trolls, but that just doesn't work online. Uh, so no, that says a different thing. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, some seriously excellent mead, mead makers in there. So go to the gotmead.com slash forum, click on the patron link and join us there. Uh, you'll have a lot of fun. Um, so uh, we're going to bring uh, we're going to bring Robin in here in just a minute. So what have you got for us tonight, AJ? Uh, I was going to start talking about developing good habits for mead making. That sounds cool. Habits are a good thing. Yeah, and you know, some of us should probably, myself included, some of us could probably stand to revisit how how we do things. Well, it makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of... There's a, there's a lot of routine-based things you have to do making meat if you want it to consistently come out good. Yeah, and there's also a bunch of corners that you tend to cut once you think you know what you're doing that you maybe shouldn't. No, none of us do that. We would never do that. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend to think about, uh, yeah. <laughs> we just won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, tonight's guest is Viking Alchemist Meadery, and Robin and his family actually started this meadery, uh, well, they started the process of making this meadery just over a year ago, and it kind of came to them as a bit of a surprise. Um, Robin was a sometime mead maker, and his son was kind of a, a, a more regular mead maker, but was really into it, and, you know, was making good mead, and of course his friends were saying, dude, you should sell this, so... He came to his dad and said, Dad, we should sell this. Dad said, no, I don't think so. And um, then Mom got into into the picture and started researching and then found out that the craft beverage industry was going bananas. So, and that meat, of course, was going bananas along with it. So, uh, they decided to go for it and they did this on their own. They don't have any investors or anything. It's all just in, in the family, all in the family, so to speak. And um, it took them nearly a year to get their permits, you know, which, you know, thank you, U.S. government. And um, so they opened just a month ago with a couple of melomels, a peach and a blueberry. So um, they're George's second metery, and I think second metery might be be three meteries in Georgia. No, I'm not sure, but um, they're the second one that I'm aware of, and uh, their doors are open and they're ready to go. So we're, we're tickled to have them on on board tonight and you know get them you know find out what's going on with them so i say we uh bring robin in and uh you know have a conversation what do you think sounds like a plan okie dokie all right so we get to listen to the horrible ringing phones again right um, yeah well there's nothing we can do about that so i'm not gonna worry about it on the list of things to be fixed on the well on the list of things to be upgraded too it's not really yeah, well. broken so much as we just haven't had time to get all the pieces <laughs> in place it's like yeah right because we don't have jobs or anything you know oh no not at yeah, all yeah 
<laughs> you know, I like to money. claim I'm retired, but in reality, it doesn't quite work that way. It doesn't really quite work that way, yeah. No. All right, so let's get Robin in here, and um, then we'll do his commercial. All right, and to the call. Do, 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 do. You're noticing singing along with Skype, aren't you? Right, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's worse than Jeopardy. <laughs> Hello? Hello, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can. Hey, Robin. Cool. Did I totally bangle your last name? Were you listening? <laughs> uh, no. Try it again. Let me, let me hear it. Okay, I, I did Kosoris. Is that... I, is it... You got it. You did nailed I? it. Oh, my God. I can't uh, believe it. You are in the minority. <laughs> I just sounded it out, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you got it. First time. Cool. Excellent. Cool. Oh, wait. I got to, before we get too deep into this, as I always forget to do this, is, is hit the uh, uh, backup recording tool, just in case. Okay, you do that, and I'll ask Robin what he's drinking. There you go. Robin, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Our transmutation. It's a uh, cranberry, uh, where we actually add the cranberry pre-fermentation, and it does uh, some interesting things. Uh, uh, it really kind of loses the cranberry, that, that you know, some sharp tartness, and uh, turns into something special that uh, really gets a lot better with age. We've had some people uh, taste our uh, year-old, um, you know, I mean, from our uh, homebrewing days, and uh, I think it was porter sherry. So, nice. flagship. That sounds nice. You didn't tell me about that one in the backstory, dude. <laughs> yeah, I just—I I guess I was misleading there when I uh, threw in the thing about coming and taste our peach and blueberry, because those are the uh, the melomels we make with good old Georgia fruit. Because uh, believe it or not, the blueberry crop in Georgia is bigger than the peach crop, really? uh, which is which is no small thing. Yeah, no, um, yeah, that's a lot of fruit. <laughs> yeah. We got our cranberry, and then uh, uh, we have, well, obviously the uh, traditional, and then a uh, a cherry, Um, which happened because I just, I like cherries, and I had a bunch of cherries, and I thought, what happens if I dump them in the mead? (laughs) (laughs) So, then we got a couple others, but uh, uh, right now we're kind of all mellow mills, so we need to, we need to branch out, we need to do some methylens and uh, uh, get adventurous. Sounds like fun. Uh, cranberries are, I like cranberries, but you kind of totally got me with cherries. I am a total, I just totally love cherries. <coughs> yeah, and it uh, it was real, like everything we've done so far, it's real scientific the way it happened. Uh, I was over at the store, and were, cherries were three bucks a pound, so I got a bunch of cherries. And I come home, and I'm looking at it thinking, I wonder. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because none of the rest of us have ever done that. Says the freezer full of fruit I have in the basement. Oh, my God, yeah. I've still got bags and bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of strawberries because I'll go down when the strawberries come in in the spring, which will be actually in a couple of weeks here, and and, and go buy, like, three flats. They're like, Mrs. Rowe, how are you today? Because I walk up to this tent by the grocery store and spend like 150 bucks on strawberries, you know, and they're like, they like me. Yeah, I, I, we did that last summer with a peach guy uh, at uh, at the local farmer's market, mm-hmm. and I walked up and I'm looking at the peaches, and uh, I said, you know, can I taste one? I taste one. I said, uh, is this all you got here? He says, well, we got some, some others back at uh, a truck sitting in a 
you know, so, so you got more. And I said, well, I'll take 100 pounds. He just looks at me like, what? <laughs> so, so yeah, we made it beach. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, pretty much the way we do things. Oh, this looks like fun. Let's do that. I mean, that's kind of how we started the business. So I said, oh, this, this looks like fun. Let's do that. Oh God! And now you're a meadery. Now we're a meadery, and I still look around the place and 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 sometimes scratch my head and go, really? Do we really do this? So, okay, so yeah. I really, I really have to know how is it that a an engineer, an IT geek, a marketing person, and a project person end up with a meadery? I mean, it sounds like that. the perfect mix of people to do it. It really is, yeah. But I just, you know, it's like from what you said, you guys kind of fell into this backwards, you know. <laughs> oh, more than more than more than I told you because uh, the previous year, uh, 2014. Uh, we actually entered an autonomous robot in the NASA Challenge, uh, and, and did pretty well. And it was our ten- intention to do, put our money into that and do that same thing in 2015. And then just uh, out of the blue, my son, you know, calls me up and says, "Dad, we should start a meadery," and uh, I blew him off because, yeah, exactly what you're saying. And given our our, our record and our, our various uh, skill sets, uh, why wouldn't we go into the beverage industry? <laughs> so, uh, for whatever reason, my wife uh, looked into it, and it was amazing, the research that she found. Um, and the craft beverage industry is, is just blown up. Uh, the cider was doing amazing things, uh, more than 50% growth year over year for like three, four, five years. And, uh, and mead, which we, is fun to make. Um, frankly, I think it's more fun than any other beverage, but the beer guys cool. will probably argue with me. Yeah, no, the beer guys um, can just go away. That's uh, No, meat is definitely the most fun thing on the planet. Yeah. No <laughs> remarkably versatile. So, yeah. Yeah, We might be a little planet. biased, though. Yeah, a little, yeah, but not much. If you think about it, if you're kind of into engineering and science, and look at look at all the guys, Mike Fall, Brad Dahlhofer, Mike Fairbrother, Sergio, all these guys, you know, and I'm sure I'm missing others, but all the guys up at the top, they're all nerds. Uh, they, they got some of that background, and it's it's science and art all rolled into one. Oh yeah, well I mean, you, um, okay, uh, Ken Schram, he came out of IT project yep. management. Mike Fall, uh, he and I used to talk turkey IT stuff way back in the days when he was first starting things, and I was first starting at Mead. Um, I think Wayne Bonchick's a engineer or something he's, with he's NASA. He's actually a rocket scientist, Wayne is. <laughs> he's he's an actual rocket scientist. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, that just cracks me up every time I say it. But, um, yeah, um, Fairbrother is uh, Mike Fair- Michael Fairbrother, also an IT person, uh, you know. So, and, and Got Meat is riddled with them. I mean, you look at it, it's like it's all technical. I'm an environmental engineer by training. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all engineers and IT people. And, yeah, I mean, they're, we're just covered up in, in technical type people. So... So, okay, uh, we got all these people, your wife researched it, and yeah. you uh, see all you this what. growth, so what happened then? Well, uh, before I go on, you want me to bring those two on? Yeah, please. Sure. Okay. If you guys can raise your volume a little bit, that would be good. You're just a little quiet on our end. All right, I'll just talk up. I think my headset tends to be a little bit on the quiet side. You let me know if I'm yelling. Okay. I can always pull your sound down, but it's hard to push you up. I'm pretty much it. I go in up okay. any higher, and we'll start getting so. uh, feedback. Tamara, are you on? I am on. Hello. Cool. Hey. 
Hi there. Tamara's my daughter, and she handles our marketing because, um, well, I shouldn't. Let's just say I just shouldn't. <laughs> You're not allowed to touch the marketing, huh? Smart, smart, smart uh, woman, Cameron. Smart woman. They, they, they let me do the tours. You know, they prop me up in front of a tank and say, "Talk to people about not too much." <laughs> and then, uh, Dawn, are you on? Yes, I'm on. Oh, okay. And uh, well, Dawn's my wife, and uh, she's actually the brains of the outfit. I just uh, pretend crack, like you are. I crack jokes. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to let them think me. they're in charge of something, Dawn. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, so, they, get, they, me, get, they get persnickety, you know. Well, the jokes are important. Yeah. Let me know if you can hear us okay. Since it's three people on one line, it might uh, might be a problem. Yeah, you're, you're a little sorry? quiet, but uh, Don and Cameron sound okay. Yeah. Okay. So I did want to elaborate a little bit. Uh, I heard Robin talking about uh, when I did the research, and there was really a twofold piece of that that I wanted to share. One was that, I mean, that, that is true. I did the research, but there was a reason I did it. And that was because I'm really not fond of beer. Um, there's just something in the hops or something in it I'm just not that fond of. I like wine okay, but there was just kind of a limited number of wines that I liked. And the first time I tasted mead, it was like, oh, yes, this is just right. You know, <laughs> it, it's, not, mm-hmm. it's not beer, it's not wine. Uh, it's really its own thing. And when people ask me, well, what does it taste like when they haven't ever had it before? I'm like, I can't really tell you what it tastes like. You have to taste it. Because you know, I can't say it's uh, technically we're classified as a winery, but it really doesn't taste exactly like wine. So I was uh, kind of excited when our son came and said, you know, I think we should make this uh, professionally. Because uh, when I started doing the research and I saw the, the growth in the cider industry, I thought that that demographic was really pretty close to the same kinds of people that seem to like mead. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I think the time's right. And I just was so thrilled with the creativity with the different flavors and so forth that we could create. Uh, we've got quite a number of flavors right now that are uh, in our uh, skunk works of different things that we want to try. And um, I, I think that that's probably the most exciting part of the business. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, the cider, and, and I think that's shown just by the fact that so many meaderies are um, cross-producing into cider. Yes. It's kind of a no-brainer in a way because the, the process is pretty much the same. But even there, uh, I'm kind of rethinking it because there's a cidery that's starting up here in Marietta. Um, and cider is a pretty competitive market. Uh, and not all ciders are created equal, I've, I've no. noticed by doing market research. So I'm, you know, I mean, and they may be hearing this for the first time, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm rethinking, do we really want to do cider or should we do sizer and emphasize that it is mead made with apple juice and, and it stays within the, the mead family? Because uh, we really want to popularize mead and push mead and, and create a, a separate place like Don was saying, it's not like anything. It's mead. Mead is mead. And there's wondrous varieties of it, but it's still mead. So uh, I think a, a really good way to compete with cider, I mean, such as it is, is to have that mead alternative. You know, cider with a difference, if you will. Hmm. Well, and it's, it's that one foot in both worlds kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean, I uh, think that's a first cool time. Thing. Yeah, we we may actually made a cider. There's a big uh, bunch of apple orchards in the uh, northern part of Georgia, and we went up and got 240 gallons of. So again, my son called me up and said, "Dad, we should get some apple juice." Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> What are we going to put it in? Well, I got these barrels. Where'd you get the barrels? And then, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we so we got 240 gallons of uh, of uh, apple juice. Bring it back, and made Sizer for the first time. Just kind of like, well, gee, how much honey do you put in there? This looks good. And it was basically, <laughs> uh, how much honey do we have? Um, 18 gallons. Well, I guess we'll use that in two different batches. And the smell was amazing. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I can't even describe it, but the smell of honey and apple juice is fantastic. And uh, and what came out of it was not quite cider, but really, really good. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, Don played with some mulling uh, spices with uh, cider. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be, I think, our, our fall offering, is our fall-winter offerings that are uh, different kinds of cisers. That'll be fun. And, you know, you can do... Um, I mean, you start with the apple juice, but that's not to say you can't add blueberry juice or peach juice. I've made peach sizers that were to die for. Cause there's a place, uh, they're big on peaches in South Carolina, too. And um, in Gaffney, which is just over the border from uh, North Carolina, and I go by there whenever I head towards Atlanta, obviously. Um, there is, uh, that's a place that has the water tower that looks like a peach. And, looks like and, a peach, yeah. Yeah, it well, supposedly that. looks like a peach. What it really looks like is the thing is mooning the highway, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it really does. It looks like the world's biggest butt, you know? It does. <laughs> First time I was coming up on the freeway, I was like, that cannot be. That cannot be. Just in South Carolina, they would never do such a thing. Yeah, But yeah, that's what it looks like. And uh, there's actually been, you know, the, uh, the butt hurt crowd for want of a better word, has actually tried to get it repainted because it offends them. It's like, seriously, people, really? <laughs> you know, get over yourselves. But, but at least it's a great I'll landmark. It a I always know how long it is before I get to Atlanta. I know, right? That's exactly, you know, you know you're, I'm, I know I'm halfway when I get there, you know, so... <laughs> But there's a there's a um, farm there, and the name escapes me at the moment. But um, they sell uh, they sell uh, apple juice and peach juice and and um, God love them. Um, oh shoot, the grapes, the super sweet. Muscadine. Yeah, thank you, muscadine juice. So you can because I love doing uh, I love doing muscadine muscadine needs. You know they make the best pine in the world, and. Um, the muscadine brings up uh, some uh, some kind of rough memories for me, actually. Um, the, the the irony here, okay. Does it right, involve like waking up that, in doorways at the you know like? No, 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 no. The, the oh, first okay. successful. No, am I the only one that, that ever has that? <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not including muscadine, anyways. Now, the first successful batch of mead I ever made was after we started the meadery. Uh, I would help Brian and Nick make the mead. But the one time I, I decided I'm going to make my own, and I'm going to make it with muscadine grapes, I learned a valuable lesson about uh, boiling the grapes first before oh. you put them in the. Uh, oh. Yeah, it was it was it was awful. There was okay. there was there was there was alien things growing in it. Um, yeah. So so again, why why should I start a meadery when my my one and only foray into actually making my own batch of mead was. Uh, was was horrible. No, but it you was think of all horrible. the things you learned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't. We call them discoveries. I don't know. He keeps calling them horrible. It was, it was great discoveries that he made. Yeah. <laughs> Learning opportunities. He's not looking yeah, right. at it the right way. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Like not how not to de-acetate. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Um, yeah. We've all done that. 
I'm glad I have a floor drain. Yeah. yeah. I wish we had a floor drain. <laughs> there are still, that, yeah. Oh, dear. That is about the mantra when we look at our current place and we start talking about, you know, if we're going to move into a larger place. Not if, it is. when. Yeah. When, yes. Yeah. Mm, floor yeah. drain. You never know how great floor drains look in other places until you see them, and you're like, oh, look at your beautiful floor drain. It looks so nice <laughs> in the middle of the floor like that. And I like how everything slopes down, and like it looks like it really catches all the liquids that fall. <laughs> Three-hour conversation about their floor drain. <laughs> yep. Walls are nice. You gotta, you gotta be love okay. what becomes important to you. High ceilings are good, too, and especially ones that are painted that don't show the stains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Door big enough yeah. to get your pallet mover in. Yeah, uh huh. That was oh. something yeah. I remember. I remember, and I forget which meteria was. Was like all that and a bag of chips, and uh, they were getting ready to upgrade their equipment. Never occurred to them that that new tank wouldn't fit through the doors. Oh. Yeah. Take out the door. Yeah, the tank came all the way, and then wouldn't fit. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Fortunately, we do have high ceilings, and um, we are now in the process of building up because we cannot build out. Yes, mm. our forklifts come in many sizes. Ah, okay. Yeah, and they all and they all shape like people. So yeah. wait, okay, you guys are you guys are in, in Mayretta, right? Yeah. Yes, right. So so that means you're going to end up having a skyscraper meter metery because everything there is like jammed up cheap by jowl, or at least it was when I was in Atlanta. Well, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you're, you're, I guess the gist of the thing here is uh, starting new metery. And uh, it's it, like, like we've been talking about, it's been quite a journey. And, and the things that you don't think about, like floor drains, like square footage. I mean, we, we made some sample floor plans. But, yeah, I mean, we rented this 1,500-square-foot facility in uh, January of 2015, and we're standing there thinking, oh, my gosh, it's huge. How will we ever fill this up? <laughs> and and now uh, uh -huh. we have to put in pallet racks just so we have a place to put things. I mean, As you edge around things out in the uh, yeah production area, and you're like kind of, okay, don't inhale, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, we were so focused on, okay, where are we going to put tanks and, and all the production stuff? I ordered three pallets of bottles. Where am I going to put them? Yeah. And then it was, oh, gee, when we fill them up, we're not exactly going to, we're still going to have them. Where do I put those? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not like they magically disappear or go into an alternate dimension to be stored when you fill them. Yeah, this is why I've got bottles in my front entryway. I want one of those Mary Poppins purses. You just oh, start I know, right? Oh, yeah. Bag of holding. You put the 250-gallon tank in there and just stuff it right in the purse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w I wished we could have had something like that. We did our grand opening um, a couple weeks ago, and the turnout was fantastic and terrifying yeah. because we had over 300 people, wow. uh, and we were not um, big enough to handle 300 <laughs> people at once. <laughs> oh, yeah, we opened up makeshift bars just so we could serve everybody, you know, tastings and stuff like that. It was it was amazing and, oh, like wow. she said, terrifying at the same time. I mean, we went through a package of 300 wristbands and then into another package of 300, you know. Wow. And it was a rainy day, kind of, so we were thinking that not that many people were going to yeah, show I was up. Yeah, this is Atlanta we're talking about where everybody acts like it's the apocalypse every time a drop of water falls from the sky, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, we I had our... For six years, and yeah, it would take... It would take four and a half hours to go 15, minute, 15 miles mm -hmm. once it started yeah. raining. It was, like, you know, ridiculous. 
Oh, yeah. No, it started sprinkling at about 11 o'clock. Our opening was supposed to be at noon, and we had people starting to show up at a quarter to noon. And I was like, wow, wow this is going to be a day. <laughs> but I think that, cool. tells, that tells you where the market is at. Yeah, um, it does. That many people uh, that were anxious to be there, and they were so nice and understanding of um, the crowd. The chaos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We tried to prepare for it as best we could, but there are some things that you just, you know, you don't know until it's actually happening. And um, the people were wonderful. Uh, yeah, There was a lot of first-timers, too, that hadn't had meat before, but they wanted to try something different. Nice. So there is yeah. a, you saw a lot of, you saw a lot of, um, hey, I'm ready for something new, people. Yeah, just yeah. people seeing something local that they wanted to check out. You know, we had the grand opening posted um for about a month so you know and it got shared between different sites and things like that yeah i noticed robin didn't send it to me just saying you know seriously dad gotme.com really you didn't send it to gotme.com i will take it up with my marketing Uh, department uh (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah don't worry there'll be there'll be a grand reopening when we move to the new place there you Uh, go yeah (laughs) now you know i'm out there since your dad didn't bother to tell you you know it's just uh yeah Uh-huh. I, I think marketing communication is, breakdown. Yeah, right. I, I actually think marketing is magic. I, I think, I think what we is. have here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> you went there. I went to Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Communications breakdown. Yeah. Yep. My brain was saying that, but this is Georgia, so we had to go with yeah. Cool. <laughs> is the only way to go. Uh, <laughs> that's so cool, though, that y'all had such a great you know, grand opening, and, um, you know, and that says a lot. I mean, Atlanta is a pretty vibrant city, too, so, you know, despite the fact that the traffic is never ending these days, um, you know, a lot of new stuff comes out of Atlanta, and I think that that's great that we're going to see part of the Mead Renaissance come out of there, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's really actually a really nice place for craft. Uh, in the Marietta, Kennesaw area, we, uh, we were talking maybe a radius of 10 miles you know, and you're radiating you for our, from our meat all. You've got uh, two uh, uh, breweries. you got Red Hair and Burnt Hickory. You've got Naughty Soda, who make a hard soda. You've got a new uh, cidery starting. You've got us. I mean, you've got a whole craft ecosystem. And that's not even going into Atlanta, where there's a bunch of uh, uh, craft breweries and new ones starting up. So this is actually uh, quite an area for craft. Nice. I like I like seeing that happen because that says a lot for, you know, what's available. And, you know, it means that we'll eventually be able to, most people will be exposed to craft beverages rather than so many still kind of stuck in that old-timey, there's three beers and, you know. Yeah. And you'll like them because that's what you got. Because that's what you got, yeah. And, um. Although I have friends who I have introduced to craft beer, and they're like, "Yeah, I'll take a Budweiser," and I'm like, "You're hopeless. You're just with you saving instead of a Bud Light." Yeah, I mean, they're just yeah. beyond saving, beyond it. But best I've been I've... able to get them to go to is Yingling, you know. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with Yingling, as as I'm, you know, mass market beer. It's not bad, but it's still a, yeah. you know, mass market beer. <laughs> I, I must say, since we've been doing this, and you know, we were doing free tastings and so forth before we finished everything. Um, and just 
gathering market research and talking to people that um, I think the number of people that are that we're seeing now that are still virgins when it comes to mead mm-hmm. are becoming fewer and fewer. So I, I think that it is starting to reach the general market, the general population. Um, yeah, and when we started this, I said, I want to make mead a household name. Yeah. You know, so when, when you walk into a house, it's not just, you know, can I get you a beer or a soda? It's, you know, beer, mead, soda, wine, you know, what would you like? And it's yeah. right up there in the same category. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That's, that's, what, that's why I decided to refocus my business in that direction because, you know, partly because I want to see mead be a household word. I've worked 20 years with Got Mead to try to make that happen, and I think I've made a fair amount of progress, you know. But, well, um, you know, in this, fact, is we're, we're standing on the shoulders of the people who came before us. Uh, you mean I, have, I went out to the I went out to the craft beverage expo last summer or last uh, May? Yeah, what'd you think and, of it? I uh, haven't been yet. Oh, I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, it's a really nice place to go and get kind of a cross section of the craft industry. And I was I was brand new. I mean, you know, my son brought up the idea in January. I went through the process of getting the TTB paperwork in by mid February, and then it was, what in the heck am I doing here? <laughs> and uh, I saw I saw that. And going there was really helpful. I met uh, I met Ben and Becky Starr from Starlight Meadery, mm-hmm. who are really nice people, they're willing the to share what me. they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're not far from us either. Um, and, uh, you know, they shared, like, you tell us about Vino Shipper, a few of the other things. I met Mike Fairbrother, we spoke to him for a little while. I went over to Rabbit's Foot. Uh, didn't get a chance to meet uh, Mike Fall, but I met uh, Kelly Long, who's a fantastic uh, mm-hmm. bartender, you know. I learned a lot from him just watching him do tastings, yeah. and and just in, you know, and and Mike's at least where where he was last year. I don't know if he's still there, but uh, it's really a small tasting room. Yeah. But it's but it's friendly. It's cozy. It, it fits the personality. You know, reading Sergio's posts, um, all this other stuff on the AMMA site on Facebook and now on their website. You know, I take all that stuff in, and, and the Craft Beverage Expo was really good for getting that cross-section wandering around the hall and you know uh, just collecting business cards and you know pamphlets and all that so uh, this year we're going to send uh tamara uh my son brian our uh, our alchemist and uh, dawn's going to go okay, uh, cool. because there was just too much for one person to take in so yeah definitely it's worth it plus i think it's worth going to to support it and hopefully meet some of the others my, my plan was to actually have a table there this year, but my lungs had different ideas, so I'll be going next year. I'm not I'm not going. I've actually canceled like five different trips that I had planned because of all this hoo-ha that okay. hit me. But, uh, um, you know, next year I'm going to get all of <laughs> My husband and I had to have this conversation. He's like, dude, you can't walk across the room without getting out of breath. You think you're going to be able to sprint through an airport? Are you stupid? <laughs> So, get early. Yeah, well, you know, my husband's the intel. I, I'm married to an engineer, so yeah. okay. ultimately very sensible and the only one in the house with any sense, you know. So you yeah. yeah, not a whole lot of sympathy either. Right? Not really. No, he's pretty well. We've been married for 30 years by now. It's just like, yeah, I love you, honey, but you're being stupid, you know. So yeah. <laughs> he says it like it is, which is good because somebody's got to put my feet back on the ground when they when I head up into the clouds but yeah my plan was to be out there and i had it all rigged because my sister-in-law lives like 20 minutes from the venue and uh was actually going to be in germany with her husband so she needs somebody to watch the house so i could have like lived in her house she was going to give me the car and i mean all i had to do was show up 
perfect. Yeah, I know. So, so, so if it's going to be gone this year, we're going out there. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> I, know, I, I wanted to go. I really did. I was going to do that, and I was going to do the um, the craft beverage um, conference, the CBC up in Philly. But I just, my problem is, is that the recovery time for all this blood, lung blood clot stuff that I went through is got me so I have no stamina. You know, so like I yeah. feel okay just sitting here, but if I try to like get up and do anything for a sustained period of time, I feel like I've been dragged through a knothole backwards and it takes me days to recover. So I've learned to husband my energy and and I'm just kind of waiting for the moment at which it all kind of comes back and I'm back in the saddle, but it's not yet, so. Hopefully it's soon for you. Yeah, yeah. you and me both, man. I'm just I'm about, about sick of being, you know, kind of locked down, but. Well, until then, you can do this radio evangelizing. Exactly. Thing, That's great. <laughs> I can get out there and do what I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, I've got lots of other things that I can keep going in my business to run and people to talk to and all that kind of thing. So it's great. But, yeah, I just I was really excited about going to all these shows. So I'm I'm busily, like, um, laying out all my expenses and everything. For, I'm going to go to the distiller's show. I'm going to go to the cider show. I'm going to go to, the, you know, like all these different shows next spring. I'm not going to be home for, like, months. I'm going to be bouncing all over the country drinking, you know. <laughs> Sounds horrible. Sounds oh, like it's going to be it's just just terrible. Terrible job that I have. Just terrible. Yeah. Just terrible. Somebody yeah. has to do it. You have to I'm, do the research. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. You know, boots on the ground. That's the only way to go. <laughs> so, but yeah, Robin, going back to what you were saying, standing on the shoulders with giants. I mean, when I started all of this, there were like maybe five meteries in the country. You know, and you know, I've I've had the distinct pleasure of being able to watch this industry be born, more or less. You know, and happen, and Every day, I'm stunned at, you know, how much is happening and how much is going on and how many people are getting into it. Yeah, and, and what's cool about it is uh, most of the guys, well, everyone I've known or heard of, is really good about uh, when you come and visit. You know, I went out to Rabbit Sweat, and yeah, I didn't spend much time there. I just spent a few hours in an evening, but uh, Kelly was great about telling me stuff, talking about whatever. Um, Brian was out there for uh, business and uh, managed to get up to Rabbit's Foot and spend a little time. Uh, he was also up in Michigan, got to visit Shrams and uh, Bee Nectar. Nice. And, and Bee Nectar's enormous, and oh, they're yeah. all crazy. I remember when uh, they were in like a garage on the backside of a building that looked kind of... It looked kind of a uh, um, sketchy-looking place, you know, and <laughs> they had a couple of fermenters. I actually got a bottle of mead that they hadn't even bottled yet. I just got, they pulled it, they, they pulled it off the fermenter and gave it to me, and it was like their first, they were open like two months, three months at that point. Oh, yeah, I mean, we were, uh, we were bottling and hand-labeling days before our grand opening. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, frantically. Oh, no, that's part uh, of the, know, that's part, you have to do that as part of the right of passage. <laughs> I mean, a week, a week before our grand opening, we were actually hitting the ceiling with corks that were popping from <laughs> bottles that were fermenting, oh, God. fermenting. So, I mean, we're despondent. I'm ready to cut my throat. Uh, it's just the end of the world. And then we figured something out. And then, you know, within a couple of days, we... we dumped all the bottles and then redid it. We did it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have some bottles that probably have been filled three times already. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean... And I keep saying, you know, someday we're going to look back on this and laugh or cry. I'm not sure which, but uh-huh. for right now, I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. But the cool thing about guys, you know, looking at the bigger guys and knowing that they started humbly is, A, uh, they did it, well, you know, so it's doable, mm-hmm. and B, they're, they're right now setting where the ceiling is or, or, or the current ceiling is. Yeah. You know, you've got, uh, gosh, I can't remember what Dahlhofer was 
I mean, Brian was up there and he said that it was just big tanks everywhere. You know, I, I was like 250,000 gallons a year. I don't know, some huge number. Well, he, and, Mike, he Fall, and Mike Fall trade off the number one spot every year, pretty much. Yeah. And you look at that and say, okay, there's the ceiling, which means, and the higher the ceiling, the more room there is for all the variety of mead makers. I mean, not everybody's going to want to push to be that big. Uh, we've got some folks down here who came up, and they want to start a nano. And they said, you know, we, just, we want to start a meadery. We just want to make enough so we don't have to work. And they worked on a meadery. We had to help them help us bottle and kind of seeing how things are done. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're happy to help them. Uh, uh, Blair Housley was on. Oh, Blair, uh, yeah. Yeah, great guy. He was down, uh, again, to helping us bottling and, Blair on the uh, show. doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was listening. And uh, uh, Blair showed us this cool contraption for uh, shrinking uh, tops on. Oh, and then uh, we let him play with our <laughs> with our bottler. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, there's not, there's no competition right now. Uh, there's not enough, there's so much market share out there available. And All there's right. not enough meteries. No, uh, no, it no. behooves us to help each other out and build to get the word out. And maybe really, ten years. I mean, yeah. if you listen to the, you know, you listen to a number of the shows to know that most of the big meteries out there, and well, and a lot of the small ones, are in that. John Hamilton said it last weekend. You know, rising tide floats all boats. We're in this together, yep. and if we help each other, we help the industry. And until we can get this industry to the tipping point, we all have to row together to make it happen. And even across craft, here in the area, I was telling you there's all these different, uh, you know, we're, we're well represented. Uh, I've gone over and helped the Burnt Hickory guys bottle so I could learn how they're doing it. Cool. And, they're, and they, they are great about giving us advice about where to get labels, how to get bottles, how to do this, all of that. Uh, the guys at Naughty Soda, we're going to do a collaboration with them because they make a, a, a root beer syrup. And I want to make a root beer type mead. Mm. Not even your base root beer, but kind of an essence of root beer. All right, for you nice. lovers out there, remember this. The Viking Alchemist is going to be doing a root beer mead. Just saying. I'm making yeah. notes, trust me. Yeah, He's not, actually already developed fan, it. It tastes really good. Yeah, yeah we, we have done a sample batch already. Yeah, but I used an extract from the store, and I don't want to do that. So. Yeah. So, uh, but you yeah, know I it mean, can taste good, so how much better will it be using what the soda company does? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, and I want to go over and meet the guys at the uh, new cider in town. So uh, everybody's been great uh, helping us out. We went to, you know, we went to their grand opening. They came to our grand opening. So everyone's in the craft industry in our little corner of the world here. It's been real supportive of each other. Nice. Nice. And we have a distiller in the area, too. So Ooh. I wonder what happens when you distill mead. Oh, um, ask John uh, Hamilton at uh, White Winter about that. They've done it. Okay. Yep. They, uh, I got to taste it. Uh, he had some stuff that he was playing with when he was at last year's Mazer Cup, and um, he was kind enough to let me taste it, and it was amazing. Uh, so, yeah, totally. Uh, they're up in northern Wisconsin near Duluth. <laughs> that's where we're from. We're from Wisconsin. Oh, really? Oh, that's so funny. Uh, yeah. And you say, okay, so how long have you been in Georgia? Well, we, we all moved on to Georgia in 2003, okay. and uh, we so were here still, for a couple of years. So, so you still damn Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like to tell people. I'm that from I'm Northern a Michigan, boy. so yeah, I get it. You know, we yeah. actually uh, we're what they call so, goddamn Yankees because we went, we came down, we left, and then we came back and never left. So, no, when you say Northern Michigan, you you put. Uh, I went to college in the UPA, going down the road, side by each at Michigan Tech, don't you know? Oh, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, that's good. Hey, you know, going down there, we like to drink our beers, oh, yeah. you know, and all that. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I'd be right at home in Duluth, no problem. But, uh, um, but yeah, no, I'd be right at home in the Ottawa Valley, too. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I, oh, you ought to hear me when I get to drinking in with John Bryan's at Monroe Honey. Um, because, oh, he's, yeah, he's down there. He's down there just across the bridge from Sault Ste. Marie, or not Sault Ste. Marie, from um, uh, Port Huron. And uh, they're like 30 miles, 30 miles the other side of the lake from Port Huron, Michigan. So he keeps giving me shit because I haven't got my passport renewed yet. But um, yeah, I went to college in the UP, and I'm from Northwestern Michigan, up by Traverse City. And uh, but I've been in the South since I lived in Atlanta from '89 to '91. Then uh, was in prison in Pittsburgh for 18 months. Um, not really, but that's what it felt like. I hated Pittsburgh. Um, nothing wrong, Pittsburghians out there. Nothing wrong with your city. I just didn't know anybody there, so I felt really lonely. Um, uh, and uh, then 18 months later, we moved back to Atlanta for three years. We lived first time in uh, Lilburn, second time in... Uh, oh, crap, crap, crap. It's now part of the city, but at the time, it was like an outlying town. <laughs> Um, Urban encroachment, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lawrenceville. We lived in Lawrenceville a second time. Oh. Yeah, and then uh, I used to work over Marietta for a cold-rolled steel company over that way. And um, You commuted from Lawrenceville to Marietta? Yeah, straight across oh. town on back roads. Oh, you poor stupid. thing. Yeah, I know. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but your I heart. didn't have to go on 285, so there was that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, and then uh, after that, they moved us from Atlanta to... Uh, North Carolina. We've been here since 1996. So, but yeah, I just it's so funny because you're saying you're saying soda, you know, and um, up north it's pop. Pop, yeah. <laughs> you lose that real quick though because people look at you funny down here. <laughs> well, it's pop up here about, too. So yeah, the well, thing about yeah. being in Atlanta is uh, I, there are people who live their whole life in Atlanta and still sound like me. Oh yeah, no, no, no. There are there are very few Southerners in Atlanta anymore. So it's a cool place. I like yeah, it. Oh yeah, I like the city. I I hated the traffic, but I really liked Atlanta. The city, uh, the, the people in Marietta, uh, especially the uh, uh, the officials, have been really good about uh, helping us out. The That's uh, great. guys in the, guys in the business license office. Uh, it was pretty funny when I went to business license uh, and, and told the guy I'm starting up a meadery, and he just stared at me. I know in his head he's thinking, where are they growing grapes in Marietta? <laughs> Well, either that or he's thinking meatery. Why do we need a meatery? Meat? Yeah, meat. Yeah, most most people think a butchery. Yeah. yeah, yeah a butcher. Why are you calling it a meatery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fancy meat. Yeah. So, no, they've been really good and uh, very supportive of us, uh, very helpful in all the different licensing and, uh, you know, various things that require fees. So where are you guys <laughs> at this year? With, um, if you don't want, I mean, and tell me if you don't care to disclose, but what do you see no, your fine. volume being this year? Well, um, when we started out, if, if you don't mind me doing a little chronology here, no, no. the first thing we had to figure out was, was how much we can we make, which was based on how much we could afford. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we started out with five 80 gallon plastic uh, uh, conical fermenters. So our total volume capability was maybe about 320 because you always wanted one empty to rack into right. uh, so we started with that and then uh, we were actually making a bunch of test batches and kind of ramped up our five gallon batches to that last year but then uh, uh, October or so uh, my, my son apparently had another epiphany and said we, we gotta 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 <laughs> buy, these, uh, buy these 2,000 liter tanks he's gonna drag y'all kicking and screaming into <laughs> he 
he's a bit impulsive. Yeah. Really? I have yeah. noticed. <laughs> yeah, well, is occasionally, uh, well, fairly often right. And, uh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. So right now, we've got these 2,000 liter, uh, which is about 530 gallons, uh, but we uh, we don't go above maybe 480 Um Tanks and uh, our monthly pro- our monthly production, we can turn those tanks like, because again we we right now we're leaving one empty to rack right, back and forth. Right. So we can turn those tanks about once a month. That was going to be my other question: was how quick are you and turning then, the uh, tanks? Uh, well, we got about uh, two two weeks for fermentation, uh, yes. and we could probably do better if we they're not jacketed tanks. Uh, again, they're <laughs> jacketed tanks cost more, yeah. and glycol stuff are really expensive. So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Our two-state uh, uh, cooling system right now is uh, two two room air conditioners on a on a ladder, which <laughs> turned on really 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 high. Huh? <laughs> it, it works remarkably well, uh, huh. at least in the winter and in the colder months. Yeah. Uh, summer, you know, we're gonna we're we're gonna be doing a Kickstarter to get some jacketed and yeah. glycol. I was gonna say but, it gets a little warm down there in Georgia. So yeah. So right now our fermentation uh, wraps up in about two weeks. Uh, we've got about a week or so for clarification and uh, uh, filtering and whatnot. So in a month, it's, you know, like the, uh, what we call our solo faction, the uh, traditional is ready to go. And those things that we just ferment and then um, and then bottle, uh, we can turn in a month. So nice. and we'll bottle age. So right, you know, we bottle cool. age the, uh, the cranberry, we bottle age the solo faction. And then we've got a uh, marionberry that uh, is a pre-ferment that we bottle age. And then things that we then add, uh, uh, you know, like back flavoring and some sweetening to uh, the cherry, the blueberry, the peach. Uh, that'll be another two-ish weeks. So our, our monthly production is right around 500 gallons, as long as we uh, keep nice. our, our heads straight and don't screw something up. So did the whole family basically jump ship in their quote-unquote regular lives and, and go on the family business here, or...? Are you well, guys? Are some of you guys still still foot in both worlds? Uh, Don and I are still working, okay. um, and uh, Brian is doing this full time. Um, Tamara, I managed to spirit her away from her uh, job running a retail uh, shop uh, store for. Uh, can I tell who? Or should I not say? It's a, a, a large communications company. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I used to work for a large communications company. So, so it steered her away with uh, promises of uh, riches and uh, easy living. And uh, uh, I, I lied, actually. I lied a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then my, uh, uh, I've got another son and another daughter who uh, uh, we're, we're uh, enticing. They really oh. love to eat. And uh, we're kind of just uh, waving in front of them. You know you want this. You know you want this. You can be part of this. <laughs> this could be You this want could the be high life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they have really good jobs and they don't live in the area, so it's going to be ah, tougher. Ah, okay. Um, it helps, yeah, to I mean, they, it helps to be local, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Even there, uh, my, uh, my daughter-in-law came in from Oregon to uh, help us with the... Uh, uh, the grand opening, and oh, by the way, she brought my grandkids, so that was just a yay! You know. Yeah, that's they were the fun. best helpers ever. <laughs> well, were. How, how old are y'all's grandkids? Uh, wait. well, those are eighteen months, five and six. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, the cuteness Seven. factor to add in. Oh yeah. yeah, we put the little Viking Alchemist shirt on, and we played that up like oh, it's God, yeah. Hey, <laughs> my last cup, sir. <laughs> Six-year-old takes over his dad, man. He was selling like a oh, man. Oh, that's so funny. I can just see a piece, sir. Would you like some more? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was great. He was standing next to me, and he was like, you know, the cherry seems to be doing really well. Everybody really likes the cherry. That's their favorite. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> my, my other daughter is uh, up in the uh, D.C. area. She's, uh, she's, uh, she works for the government. Ah, okay. And, uh, yeah, one of our, one of our uh, uh, most unusual fans uh, is... Uh, I, I like to look and see who, who uh, likes us on Facebook. I'll just kind of go look at their profiles just to see the various kind. And we actually have one of our uh, one of our fans uh, on on Facebook builds himself as the official beer tester for the White House. Oh, cool! So, uh, so I'm not sure yeah. what that whole connection is, but okay, cool. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool if he really was the like you know official beer tester for the White House? Because yeah. I mean, regardless of what your politics are, <laughs> the president that we have is into cool stuff. President drinks beer and he drinks yeah. good beer. So, yeah, exactly. You know. Our, you know, our president is like hip and cool. You know, yeah, regardless I mean, he, he of what your I... politics are, he's hip and pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. you know. yeah, yeah. Hey, I don't care what your politics are. If he asks for a case of, of meat, he's I'll bring so him two. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. He and I may not always be on the same page politically, but uh, he, we could kick back in the Shenandoah Rose Garden with a glass or two. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Anybody <laughs> would roll around on the ground with the kids on Easter Sunday for the egg rolling is. You know, yeah. I'd shake the man's hand. I was telling my husband that the other day. I don't always agree with a lot of our political people in general. Not just him, but a lot of them. But I, I, I admire watching them, and they're, like, real. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's, that, I think that's pretty cool. Which, you know, obviously it's working because, you know, he got his two terms out of it. So that's so cool. And I think that's a good part of it is that they are. They're real. So, mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so back to you guys. So, what, I mean, you went, what, almost 11 months while waiting for um, the, the federal government <laughs> to uh, get the licensing and stuff done. So, mm -hmm. other than the obvious waiting forever for the federal stuff, what kind of challenges did you guys run into as you were doing the run-up? Well, one of them was, uh, I mean, just talking about the government stuff, the, the feds were just the feds. It took them yeah. six months. They are what they are. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, it's just the backlog that they have. And, uh, but when they got around to it, it took us about two or three weeks to fix all the deficiencies in our paperwork and, and then get okayed. Uh, our bigger challenge was the Department of Revenue here in Georgia, because we're a farm winery. Uh, farm winery allows you to sell out of your tasting room. You don't have to necessarily distribute, but, yeah, I mean, you do. Uh, but it gives you a lot more freedom. You can have additional tasting rooms. Uh, so we have our own apiary. And, uh... And fine, you know. So I figured, okay, we're, we're good to go. It turns out that in the state statute or whatever it says, it, it defines a winery as growing your own grapes, fruit, or other uh, or, uh, grapes, berries, or other fruit. No mention of honey. And whereas the TTB, you know, the feds say other agricultural products. Right. They, they didn't have that in Georgia because I'm sure nobody thought about it. Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, so that took us about four or five weeks just to resolve whether or not we could be a farm winery. And a lawyer. Because, well, the state yeah. attorney general got involved. And again, yeah, people were really good about it. It's just a lot of head scratching and what should we do about this? Uh, and they eventually said, yeah, okay, go ahead. So, so I mean, that, that took a, little, a good chunk of the time. Uh, as far as the challenges, uh, oh my gosh. Um, labels. Well, yeah, yeah labels, but before, labels. The, before the labels, the bottles. Uh -huh. uh, I wanted a, I wanted a uh, kind of a wine style bottle. I like what Sergio has, so I thought, oh, okay, that's kind of classy. It, it looks nice, and I, you know, I, the wheat mead looks really pretty. So I thought, I want a clear 500 milliliter Hock style wine bottle mm -hmm. with a cork. Can't find it. 
you couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, now, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know that many. The places that I called and tried to find it didn't have it. Um, Tal Sergio? So, uh, I think, I, you know what? I think he was on the show and I might have asked him a question. I, I, I seem to remember I got some information from Sergio and he, he put me onto a place that was actually up in Canada. But we didn't have quite what we were looking for, and the uh, freight charges were really huge, uh, which is another one of those things you don't think about. You think about the cost of all these things that you have to get, but then, you know, like juice concentrates, uh, they have to be frozen, they have to be refrigerated. It costs a fortune in freight just to get those silly things. So, um, freight costs. Uh, so, yeah, finding bottles, getting the right bottle, and, and, and we almost tripped across it. It was like, uh, as a last resort, the guy I was working with said, well, how about these? And he had me a, you know, a, a picture of six of them, and, oh, I like that one. And that's our bottle. Um, <laughs> and then designing the labels. Uh, camera, I mean, just, uh, well, she didn't tear her hair out, she still got some, but <laughs> designing the labels was uh, was a, a death march. Well, and even coming up with our <laughs> logo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like, it's very I'm hard when you're doing things. <laughs> I mean, it's difficult with a lot of these companies because you're doing everything so remotely. So it's like, how do I get what's in my head into your head? Yeah. <laughs> so they can see what you're thinking because it's so clear to you. Yeah, it's so obvious. I mean, yeah. I don't know why they didn't get it right away. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, there was a lot of back and forth and um, getting that worked out and then getting them approved, um, getting the colas approved, getting the formulas approved. I mean, it's just like this. And the, the thing with the colas is, like, they would improve one label – and then the next one has the same exact formulation, and they would tell me to change the wording on it, even though it's the same exact formulation, except for, like, one is blueberry, one is cherries. Um, you know, we had to put on a blueberry one, like, um, honey wine with spices and flavorings or something like that. But the cherry one, they were fine with honey wine with cherries added. Like, but it's the same, t- you know, it's the same steps in our, in our process. It's just really irritating. Oh, yeah. Slight lack of uh, you know, continuity in the TTV. <laughs> well, and I'm sure uh, you. Whole, I'm sure you run into the. Um, I'm sure you run into the uh, whole this but not that thing. You'll you'll get that. I mean, you can submit oh, yeah. two oh, yeah. identical meads except one's peaches and one's pears, and they'll they'll yep. say yeah on the peaches and no on the pears. Absolutely, yeah. And looking at the other comments of the the other meaderies and the AMA AMA sites. Clearly, the TTV is uh, meat is kicking their butt. Yeah, yeah. You know, but they're, they're the growth in our industry. And under-trained. I mean, you know. yeah, yeah, and, and meat is just this strange animal from another planet, and they have no idea what to do with it. Oh yeah, for the blueberry, they wanted me to take blueberry meat anywhere that said blueberry meat. I had to take it all off the bottle. I could have it say blueberry, but not blueberry meat. Yeah, which Even is really hilarious because at the same time, they're they're letting other meaderies use the word meat. Right. Yeah, well, and I thought, I was like, well, I feel like I'm self-advertising by not putting on here somewhere that it is blueberry meat. I want them to know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. I think they eventually let us put blueberry in parentheses underneath the familiar. I have two fanciful names. names, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> uh, one of the challenges was uh, upsizing. It was a big challenge. Uh, you know, I mean, we get these 80-gallon fermenters in there and decide, well, you know, we should probably put some meat in there and see how we're doing. What's our formula? And, uh, you know, Nick and Brian look at me and say, well, we put about this much, and they literally hold up their fingers, water in the bottom of the carboy, and then we put 15 pounds of honey in it, and then we fill it up to the top. 
that's it. Can you be more specific? No, that's about it. Oh, so, dear. Yeah. So I figure, okay, they're five-gallon carboys. I'll just work out the formula. And uh, so I did. And I made four test batches with four different kinds of honey and completely missed four times. Um, <laughs> you know, and I thought, I mean, they were dry, really dry. I mean, not red wine dry, but really dry. And our original stuff that we made was semi-sweet. So I'm like, that's not great. Now i got 20 gallons I'm going to have to put on the sewer. Um, but again, you know, part of my genius is... Part of my genius is I don't use my brain, and it seems to work better. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, Look, turns out, you're an it turns out... You're an IT person, I, I get it. Bypass the thinking process, because it just absolutely. doesn't... Absolutely. It gets you know, in the way. Do my best do my best work when I'm sleeping or drunk. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out, I mean, we decided, okay, let's have some people taste it, because who knows? People love it. It, it is now, and, and speaking of others, I think it was Michael Fairbrother who, in some kind of offhand thing, he, he might have said on, a, on a Facebook or whatever, mentioned that he uses the 20% formula, the basic formula of 20% honey. And I thought, oh, okay, that's kind of close to what I was doing. I'll do that. And that has turned out to be kind of our, our standard now. Uh, it's a nice off-dry, still with a little hint of honey, and then when we flavor it with with juices or you know, whole fruit, it's still not that sweet when we're done, and people really like the crispness of it, and, and it's just great. Yeah, I'm a genius. That's your, <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, that's your, uh, your what I call gateway needs for, mel- for, for Merlot drinkers. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, so I can, uh, can't take credit. I tripped across it, but it turned out to be the right thing. Mm, some of the and, best recipes are like that. You know, and having that verification of, of gleaning all these different things from all the other guys posting stuff um, just kind of allowed us to hone in on it, verify what we're doing, and you know, kind of uh, you know, solidify that. So, um, so, yeah, just learning how to go from five gallons to we did 40 gallons, and we're all standing around this tank of 40 gallons, uh, you know, like it's some magical thing. And then the first time we did a full 80 gallons, um, you know, I'm weeping in the corner about the amount of money I just paid for honey. And the rest <laughs> of us are sta- standing around the tank like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And now we've got a tank with 470 gallons of meat in it. It's just remarkable. And Don's got you by the lapels going, you took notes, right, honey? Tell me, please, you took notes when you did this. <laughs> No, actually, I'm the keeper of the uh, the database of everything oh, that we've okay. done to it. So you make sure he <laughs> so, keeps notes. Yeah, so I'm like, how much did you put in? What did you do now? What was the temperature? <laughs> She's using words like gravity and bricks, and it's just really sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, say it again. <laughs> say, say gravity. <laughs> <laughs> Is that original or finish? <laughs> Mead porn. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Oh, God. And, you know, I'm really glad I clicked the explicit button on the um, thing. When well, I this, this up. took an interesting turn. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't Robin so. warn you that we're weird? <laughs> yeah, that first year was quite the discovery. In a way, not being able to sell the meat that we were making because we were making a lot of batches just to make to make sure what we we're doing and that we could do it over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're making a lot of meat, but we couldn't sell it. It was pre-licensing. Uh, so we came up with the idea. When we, we just decided Wednesday night it was going to be all hands at the hall. And then somebody decided, since we're going to be here anyways, why don't we open up and let people come and taste? 
and uh, Don made some uh, actual uh, tasting sheets for uh, grading uh, the different aspects of the different meats. Nice. Uh, and, and it was, you come in, we'll give you free meat, but you got to tell us what you think. And we had a huge amount of market study, not to mention oh, the nice. fact that we were kind of growing a fan base. Of, I mean, we had cool. we just barely top 500 likes. Uh, which is a big number to me. Before the tape, just, before the grand just opening. Before the grand open. yeah. and well, yeah, and if you've got that before your grand opening, that's pretty darn amazing. Yeah, and, and I think that enforced um, celibacy <laughs> of, of selling. Yeah, we couldn't sell it. We couldn't stockpile it, so let's use it. And, uh, and that turned out to be extremely valuable for us to uh, do market study, learn who our customers were, get their input, because there's some things that we changed or dumped uh, that just weren't working or, you know, didn't care for. Uh, we learned some things about, like our cran cherry. Um, we chill everything when we serve it. it turns out the cran cherry uh, doesn't taste as good chilled as it does, say, right around 65 degrees, uh, which we found out by accident. A uh, couple were tasting it and they didn't care for it too much, but they were nice enough not to say it. But as we're standing there talking, it was warming up in their hands. And <laughs> a woman says, ooh, this gets better with age. And, and we discovered that, oh, okay, this one has a different set point for where it tastes good. Mm. So, and I never even thought about the different temperatures. We just kind of assumed chill it and it's good. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot we don't know. And it's a it's a process. You know, I mean, every, every meat is different. Every market is different. It just depends mm-hmm. on, you know, what's going to happen. And I'm sure, you know, you guys have run into a lot of that. Yeah, and people have been great about the... Uh, letting us know what they think. That's uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they're just kind of saying, okay, this is what we think about this, this works, this doesn't, uh, and it's been, uh, uh, it's been great. It's been really valuable. So, A general philosophy that we're trying to do, though, is we want to have a little bit of something for everyone. So, you know, we want our meads to run, you know, we want them all to be crisp and clean tasting, but we want to have some on the dry and some on the sweet. So, you know, there's a little bit of something for everybody uh, in our mead selection. No, I think that's a great idea because there's, you know, I mean, there are people who just don't deal well with, uh, you know, the the, uh, the sugars. Uh-huh. Well, and there's some that, uh, we've got a bunch of people who are waiting for us to come out with a sweet. So. Well, the cherry <laughs> is fairly sweet, but there are, you know, our oh, no. was asking for something <laughs> even sweeter. <laughs> yeah, they want meat candy. <laughs> Well, actually, that is something uh, Tamara has made. You know, we've been experimenting with recipes, and uh, Tamara has made a candied mead bacon. Oh my god! Yeah, it is what you think it would be. That's, that's yeah, um, cool. meat candy. It's amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Nick has said that you could probably wean somebody off heroin with that stuff. Oh my god! You made, you've made mead crack. <laughs> that's another thing on the to-do list. Yeah, I'll spend you the some, recipe. It's pretty simple. Please do. Yeah, you guys are gonna be getting some phone calls, I'm sure, after the show gets listened to and downloaded. Well, so, uh, yeah. We'll share. <laughs> I don't mind sharing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one of the things we do. On, we want to do on our website is we're gonna have a food blog. Nice. We're gonna yeah. call it the blog. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Because again, we want to make meat a household thing. You can cook with it. We want to get a hold of some of the local chefs. And here's a case of meat. Uh, please use it in cooking, and let me know what you think. There's a number. Sure. Of, there's a number of uh, meaderies that have done. Ken Schramm is big on doing that. He's, oh, gosh, he's a real foodie. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, yeah, hooking up with local, and you guys have got a lot of three and four star chefs down there, hooking up with the local guys and going, look, here's a bunch of mead. I'm curious to see what you can make with this. You know, basically sort of an iron chef, but here's the mead. Do something. You know. Just right on the Marietta Square, there's a few restaurants that are uh, really upscale, really nice. good chefs. Yeah, do a, you know, do a, uh, I'm sorry, I, I could very easily, Tamara, y'all, y'all and I need to have a, we need to have a conversation, because, yeah. Sounds good. I do, I do, <laughs> I do craft beverage marketing is what I do in my quote-unquote real life, so, and I'm not doing good oh, okay. stuff. Yeah, that's my business, so, um, but yeah, that's, uh, I'm excited to hear what you guys are doing. It sounds like you're, you're on, you're, you're doing it all by the numbers, you know, you're, you're doing the right things and in the right order, and it's working out right. So far, so far it's good. Um, mm. Yeah, way way more inventory than I'd like, but uh, <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, and you've already started to create that core of raving fans, and you just need to turn them into your sales crowd for you and uh, make that happen. There's got to be some festivals coming up where you can move a bunch of stuff. There are uh, in uh, in Georgia. You have to have a distributor to get into the festivals, so we're oh, uh, okay. a fan of distributing here. Uh, and they've been really good. Um, they have a, a guy who is uh, very dedicated and knowledgeable about meat, so he's got some big plans for us. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to start doing that uh, uh, towards the end of this month. Got to get the uh, paperwork, more paperwork, through the, uh, through the, the state. Uh, so, I mean... Yeah, it, it, again, it's one of those things where you kind of read all these different things, like Sergio was talking about, staying away from distributing. Um, I don't know what the other guys are doing, um, but if it's one of the things I've taken away from looking at this this big cross section of all the people who are nice enough to post what's up in their worlds, mm-hmm. is um, you got to know what your world is. You well, it's different everywhere too. I mean, exactly. Distribution yeah, every state is different. Yeah, I mean, distribution here for mead is difficult and painful in North Carolina. Because the distributors here haven't come around to seeing what the you know writing on the wall is, and have you know they're just being sticks in the mud. So they'll get there, but they're taking their time. And you guys have obviously got an enlightened distributor who gets it. Yeah, and and the one thing I've taken from from all these different guys is the guys, the people who are really successful. They know mead. I mean, they know how to run a business and make mead, but they also know their their, their area. You know, they they know their customers, they know their clientele, and they know what works in their area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been uh, one of our mainstays is uh, really really engage in the uh, in the local area. Yeah, we want to get into as many festivals as possible. Um, there's one coming up in Marietta, which might be too late for us to get into, but uh, there are more, and uh, that's going to be a big part of the. I'll send Tamara and uh, because she looks a lot better than I do. <laughs> We're actually also working on, um, with all the other craft beverage places in the area, um, we've been talking about doing a, uh, like, pub crawl, if you will. Um, mm. You know, as you know, getting a bus together of fans and just going from place to place to place and have that be, like, a monthly thing. But, so. Yeah. Sell tickets and do a uh, craft uh, beverage uh, tour. Marietta or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Well, we really, we really appreciate you guys being willing to come on the show tonight. It's been awesome. It's really nice of you to invite us. Thank you. This is fun. I've been listening to your show. Usually, I listen to a podcast, uh, 
but uh, I, I get a lot out of it. Oh my gosh, the one with uh, was it Bray the bomb? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Bray with the bomb. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have oh. Bray back. He doesn't know how much we're gonna victimize him, you know yet. We will utilize him. Again, there was so much information there. Oh my God, mm-hmm. yeah, it was very it was very definitely very information dense. Thank God we, we record, you know, but. Uh, um, yeah, we'll be having him back on, and we've got some other stuff. I actually sent an email to, uh, you know, cue the angels from on high, Charlie Papazian, and he said when he gets back in town, he'll actually get in touch with me. So I might be able to get Charlie Papazian on the show. It's like, that would be like, awesome. Like total fangirl. We'd be like, uh, <laughs> like Alice Cooper. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> you know, like we do with Ken. <laughs> yeah, like we do with Ken. Well, I only do it to Ken because it makes him roll his eyes, and it's so cute when he rolls his eyes. But. You know. <laughs> He's, Ken is probably the most humble person on the planet. You know, I mean, he's just—he's just a regular guy. You know, but—but but I just love—I just love giving him a hard time about that because it's like, oh my God, you're a god among men. He's like, please, will you just stop? You know? <laughs> you're making a scene. Yeah, you're making exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Ken is Ken is super awesome. I, you know, I am pleased. I am pleased and honored to be able to call him friend. He's a great guy. Yeah, but um, and you know his kid, he's, his daughter's got it all worked out. She's just gets pregnant just in time to have a baby during the Mazer Cup, and that's why he hasn't been able to go for the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's a conspiracy. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really nice being on. Yeah, it was really nice having you. And you know, I mean, we're this thing will with any luck go on for a long, long time. So we'll be able to get you guys back on here again. But you know, don't be afraid to you know send me the doings of what you guys got going on. And um, it'd definitely be awesome to have you guys on again for like a one-year checkup, see how you're doing after you've oh, been yeah. open. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, it's uh, amazing news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you 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 got the pieces in the right places. So I'd say, uh, you know, having been somebody who's seen the comings and goings for the last 20 years, I think you guys have got a really great opportunity to do really well here. You know, and you're in a boom market. The market is just, you know, I mean, you hit the market right when it was going total vertical. I mean, the afterburners are on, so just ride. Oh, yeah. Know? That's one of the reasons we jump in. I mean, really, realistically speaking, you know, January 2015, uh, we, we had no business getting into the business because we only have five, six years of experience in making meads. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons not to do it, but uh, looking at the market where it was, um, it was in a perfect position to jump in, and you can deal with the mechanics of it, uh, but the time was right, and people were getting in now, perfect timing. Yeah, it really is a good time to be, you know, and, and you can see it in the market. The market's just going bananas right now. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. But we're going to let you guys go, and uh, I'm going to turn the show over to AJ to do her thing and uh, get our, our guys in here so that they can uh, talk turkey and meat. You're more than welcome to stick around if you like, um, or, you know, cut off and uh, listen to us live. I think and, we'll go listen. And it looks like we've got one of the meat makers calling Alan Jones. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna to bring him in here. Hang on, Alan. Let me put you in the group. Okay. If I can figure out how to do that. Was waiting for a chance to call in as he didn't ask for callers. It's like I don't know, should uh, I? No, yeah, no, just call in. You know, we're pretty casual around here. Uh. All right, I'm trying to figure out how to. Uh, um, hang on. Uh, er, hang on a second. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Let me click the call. Resume call. I just cut myself off of my. Uh, 
Yeah, I was like, hopefully I didn't shut the other no, show No, it's still there. It says it's on, and I'm clicking. It says resume call, and it won't let me in. Uh-oh. Yeah. Do you need to hang up with me? Are we? Am I back? Yeah, we're back. Yeah, sorry, Alan. Um, Alan and uh, and them called, and I said invite to the group call, and then it took me to their call, and not to. Ah, uh, so that's why I put me on hold. Yeah, okay. I put everybody on hold. So, Alan, are you here now? I am. Apparently, I was live. Yeah. Tyson's sitting here texting me <laughs> saying that I was live, and oh, that by the so way, funny. you're on. I was like, oh, oh wait, God. okay. That's, yeah, you took over my you took over my call. What are you doing? Um, I'm so sorry. We've been hijacked. Hey, we've officially. We've hijacked officially been hijacked. Those, those other guys, yeah, really. I love the <laughs> header on your Skype. That's totally awesome. I want one like that. That's cute. Yeah. Thanks. Um, okay, so... We have so a good graphic artist, too. Have we still uh, got Robin and company? Yep. Hey. That, um, that was... That that little uh, arrangement there of uh, technical difficulties was Alan Jones from the Mead Makers calling in. So uh, they've been on the show several times. They come in and make trouble, and we have a lot of fun. Hey, guys. Hi. Thanks for being on the show tonight. Um, I did have one question before you guys do dip off. So we're talking about trying to drum up support for a root beer mead challenge. I'm really interested in your root beer mead. Since you talked about it, are you willing to give a little bit more detail about ingredients just to give everybody a heads up on what you can make? There's nothing I can, I'm doing that uh, others couldn't figure out. Uh, all I did was uh, kind of a, gee, what's ha- see what happens here. Uh, I got uh, two two-ounce bottles of Watkins uh, extract, and I put them in our uh, uh, our twenty percent uh, traditional mix. And uh, I just used wildflower honey, and uh, in a five-gallon batch. That's what I typically use for tests. And uh, I just put all four ounces in there, and said, "All right, let's see what happens." And uh, what actually happened is, uh, I mean, it's fermented after a couple of weeks. It's kind of harsh. Um, and, and the root beer flavor, the root beer smell was really strong, um, but it was it, it was kind of so-so. People were uh, ambivalent about it. Some liked it, some didn't so much. Uh, what happened was uh, I just kind of set it aside, and that was probably three months ago at least. Uh, and just recently we, we trotted out a bottle of it uh, to uh, uh, throw in the tasting, you know, when people are uh, doing tastings. We'll ask them if you feel like being adventurous, and we'll, you know, since we're so small, we'll let them taste some of our tests. So we've been having people taste the root beer, and it's it's been really popular. So what has happened is I was I didn't want it to be a root beer. I mean, like like Dad's root beer or not your Dad's root beer. I didn't want it to be that. I wanted that be mead with that that root beery feel, and uh, and that's what happened. And it turns out that aging was the key. Uh, let it sit for a while, let the uh, let the meat age and let that root beer come through, but let it be more subtle, and that seems to be what people are really enjoying. So you've also added some vanilla bean to it now. Oh, yes. Uh, but that's okay, one. that makes sense, yeah. So, cool. uh, so right now that seems to be the ticket, um, and like I, I mentioned earlier, we're going to uh, collaborate with a local uh, uh, craft uh, soda maker and uh, use their syrup. And uh, again, I got to work on the recipe, but uh, I want it to be subtle. You know, I want it to be something that really 
makes you feel and think of root beer and you kind of taste the root beer, but it's not an in-your-face thing. Okay, yeah, no, that, that sounds great. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Happy to share. Vicky, are you going to be calling? Throw away. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky, are you going to be calling Manny and, and uh, Ryan? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, we're going to get him in here in a minute. I was just texting Manny because I hadn't heard ah. back from him. So sorry, I have my microphone off. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it got quiet in here for a minute. <laughs> yeah, less background noise there. Well, you know, and Alan was asking questions and stuff. You know, so um, yeah. So, yeah, I was just texting um, Manny, and I already heard from Ryan, so we're going to get him in here in just a second. Yeah, Alan, i got to sit down with you guys and uh, talk techie back-end stuff. To, to okay. Because there's some stuff I'm working on, and I just need I need input from you guys and some feedback, and I'm, I'm tired of working in a vacuum here and figuring out... You know, yeah, sounds good. Screwing this up, and, and <laughs> I know there's ways I can make this better, but I just haven't figured out what it is yet. And I'm trying. There's to a reason it. we don't do live. Yeah, well, I know. It's one of those yeah. whole things. It's, <laughs> it's a whole other ball game once you go live instead of recorded. So yeah, it, it is, and and I figured out a lot of it, but there's just some interesting um, tidbits I think that actually you guys are have already figured out for even recorded that you know like that that will work. So I'm gonna bring in. Um, I'm gonna bring in. Uh, Ryan here, and make sure it's Ryan I'm calling so he doesn't. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Ryan. Hi. Hey, uh, you are in, so I'm going to call, um, um, Say hey, we've got uh, um, we've got Robin and his family from Viking Alchemist on. We've also got Alan Jones from the Mead Makers, and of course me and AJ. So I'm gonna call uh, Manny now, mm-hmm. and uh, get him in, and then we'll have a party. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Or we'll try to actually, you know, talk about mead making instead of just what's going on in our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did get a little distracted a little last distracted. time, didn't we? Wouldn't it be great when we can finally do a virtual meet? Ah, yeah, wouldn't it be? It'd be like doing those virtual pet raisings like they were doing in the 90s or the kids in there. My daughter had one of those electronic pet Tamagotchi things or whatever. Oh, yeah, Tamagotchi things, yeah. I prefer the real thing. The cuddles are better. Oh, uh, yeah, is that the new ones that they're doing? No, I mean real, honest to goodness pets. Oh, I mean pets. like actual animals. <laughs> We are calling now. I'm here. There you are. Okay, cool. Now we yes. have the entire gang together. So everybody meet Manny. Manny, uh, we've got uh, Robin and his family from Viking Alchemist. We've got Alan Jones from the Mead Maker podcast. And then, of course, me and AJ. So, and Ryan. And, oh, and, and, Ryan. and Ryan's here, too, you know, part of the team, so. All right. Yeah, so yep. we are all here together. So, uh, yeah, Robin, uh, all y'all are welcome to stick around if you like, or 
um, pop off if you know you want to get back to your like, actual real lives and everything. And um, you know, but we'd love to you know have you if you want to stay. So it's entirely up to you. What are you talking about next? Uh, well, this is uh, this is the part where I hand the show over to AJ and kick back and watch the levels and and let them you know. So AJ. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to be uh, continuing on with the Making Good Mead, Back to Basics. And what we're going to talk about this week is um, how, to, how to get into good habits. So we're going to discuss things like sanitation, note-taking, um, you know, ingredients, yeast, that type of thing. So I thought, you know, sanitation is probably one of the more important things to get right. So I figured we should start there. Well, so we're talking about like the really, you know, this I'm the comedy relief in this part. Um, the really boring stuff that you got to do because what you really want to do is get out there and make that 79 spice, uh, <laughs> yeah, pumpkin cherry uh, durian fruit mead that you heard about on some website uh, that was on a historical thing like 20 years ago. Right. But you know, we during our tour sometimes I'll tell people that. Uh, yeah, we're a meadery, but we're really in the cleaning and sanitizing business, and we actually make mead now and then. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of how it feels, isn't we're it? We're not clearing out the floor drains, we're making mead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I always used to say the same thing with, with beer. It's, it's You spend 15 minutes making beer and five hours cleaning. You know, That's what it's all about, make, making sure everything's clean, and then after it's clean, sanitized, because they're not the same thing. Very true. Yeah. Well, and with beer, I mean, you got you got so little wiggle room with beer. I mean, you can breathe on it, have it, and it'll get an infection and die. Right. Or worse, not die. That's why it's so important. Yeah. <laughs> turn into you know, turn into the thing that ate New York, kind of you know. <laughs> well. So, uh, how how do you want to get started? Well, I was going to start with you know. Uh, the way I do it and then let everybody else chime in with how they do it. Um, what I do is I have a mason jar full of uh, sulfite solution and I've got uh, and that I keep around until I can't smell it anymore and then I change it for a new batch. I also have some in a spray bottle and that makes um, you know things that don't fit in the mason jar a whole lot easier to get. But for uh, that, that's for sanitizing it, and for cleaning, I use the um, pink chlorine cleanser. And one of the things I will say about that is, if you're doing a carboy with it, make sure you've got a really good grip on it. It makes things slippery. Yeah. 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 And stay away um, from stay away from bleach because you'll never get it out. Well, that's not so bad on glass, but you know, by the time you've rinsed it, you've reintroduced you know, you've reintroduced right. all the stuff back in. So typically what I do is I make sure everything's thoroughly cleaned and that involves, you know, scrubbing it out and, you know, whenever appropriate. There are some things you probably don't want to use a scrub brush on if they're like a soft plastic. You don't want to make scratches in anything because that's where bacteria can hide. Um, so you want to make sure that everything's clean and then you want to make sure everything gets uh, something like 30 seconds to 2 minutes of contact time with the sanitizer. And usually what I do for the big buckets is I swish it out and, um, you know, I would I rinse out the cleanser and I don't tend to rinse when I use the sanitizer because half the time I'm using a Campton tablet anyway and it's pretty much the same stuff for me. 
So, um, and I've discovered I don't have any problem at all with uh, sulfites because um, I, when I was using um, mouth suction to get my um, siphon started, I would fill the tube with the with the sanitation solution, sanitizing solution, and I got a mouthful of that once, and it didn't bother me. So I know I particularly have no problems with sulfites. Other than it tasting really terrible. <laughs> Well, that, and actually, if I breathe over it, when I've just sprayed it, I, I'll start wheezing, and I have to leave the room. So it bugs my lungs, but I can ingest the stuff otherwise just fine. Huh. But, uh, again, I mean, that's the, the, the balancing act I have fun with is, you know, you got to have somewhere you can put all the stuff once you've sanitized it. Otherwise, it, um, you know, if you put it down on your kitchen counter, you've just contaminated it again. Yeah. So well, the, for me, the fun... The, yeah, the the fun thing, if yeah, I don't have enough kitchen counter to do that, and plus I do all my mead making in the basement now anyway, and uh, I I ran out of room, so I took the counter down, so I don't actually have a work surface unless I clean the desk, but anyway, um, yeah, I've outgrown my mead, I've I've really really outgrown my mead area again, so, but um, what I do is if I'm doing a big batch of stuff, I will sanitize a bucket, and everything that's sanitized goes in the bucket. Okay. And the the meat the, the exactly jars what I, I use. Yeah, the jars I use are big enough I can stick my hands in too, so when I go to touch something I sanitize my hands while I'm at it. And you know, if it doesn't fit in the if it doesn't fit in the mason jar or I can't pour stuff from the mason jar over it, uh, sometimes I would have two mason jars and pour stuff you know, put the put the long tubes in one mason jar and pour it from one mason jar over to the other mason jar just to get all the surfaces covered. But uh, right. spraying it works a lot better. So how do you guys do yours? Um, well, I, I start with, uh, if it's plastic, I use um, baking soda to wash everything down. Uh, just because that's what I was taught a long, long time ago. I'm sure there's something better now. But uh, baking soda tends to get everything clean and doesn't scratch the plastic uh, insides of the buckets. Um then after the after that's clean, I use uh, either uh, the sulfate solution, uh, but more recently I've been uh, using star sand. Um, a little bit a little bit of that stuff goes a long way. So I'll wash everything out uh, with my baking soda paste, rinse it really well, and uh, usually uh, if it's a, a bucket, I'll spray it down uh, with the same thing as you with a little star sand solution. And um, that's that, that first bucket, once it's clean, clean and sanitized, that's the bucket that everything else goes into. Um, and then uh, with, the, uh, with the carboys, if I'm making a, a, a five-gallon batch with the carboys, I have the, um, I got one of those, you get, it on, get them on Amazon, it's like that, that plastic stick with the felt on the end. It oh, does yeah. a really great job of, yeah, you put it in a drill. And it does a great job of getting every all the schmutz off of the sides of the uh, of the carboy. Um, that's what I've been doing for the past uh, two or three years, as far as getting the carboys clean. Um, I think uh, if you so some somebody sells for like a ridiculous one hundred twenty nine dollars or something, uh, some sort of power washer, but uh, I don't I don't bother with them. I think the uh, the dollar the I think it's a ten or twelve dollar. Uh, rod that does a great, great job uh, for getting those carboys uh, spotless. And then it's the same thing with the uh, with the carboy. Usually, what I'll do is I'll I'll pour 
I don't know, maybe a quart of star sand solution in there, swish it around, and, uh, and mm. pour it out. And it's a no-rinse solution, so I just leave them, uh, you know, I leave the star sand in there. And then, if anything, when I'm about to pour the, uh, the must in there, I'll, I'll, I'll give it like a final uh, rinse with, um, I have like a little jug of distilled water, and I'll rinse it and then pour the must in, you know. Uh, but that's that's basically uh, what I do. Okay. I yeah, I, I also do the, the flappy. That's like a car wash for carboys, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's like I mean, those it's, uh, those car wash things. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It's like those 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 felt things they slap your car with when you go through this. That that's really a good idea. Yeah, yeah, they 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 do a really great job. It's it's kind of. I, uh, for, for they, you see it online on, on you go on YouTube. They kind of demonstrate it. What I don't know how they do it, but the the, the actual rod is flexible. <laughs> so the first time I used it, it was kind of a kind of fun to watch. If you're if you were not me, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> how much water ended up on yeah. the floor? Oh man, it was uh, it was funny. <laughs> now, do you use I that? I, I do you use the that thing with the carboy? Do you use that thing with the carboy full or with it just a little in the bottom or just a little in the bottom? Uh, it's, it's whatever the, the, I okay. usually just use water, like a glass full of water, and that's enough. Okay, I've considered getting one of those. I just never got around to it because I wasn't sure exactly how I was supposed to use it. And you know, I have fun annoying my husband with the noise from using the scrub brushes. <laughs> Well, and I mean, the thing with the scrub brushes is, of course, then you scratch, if, especially if you're using plastic um, fermenters at some point, then you get this. I've always been concerned about the scratching because bacteria can hide in the scratches. And I did the same thing. I was using, I have a set of, like, sacred scrub brushes that don't get used for anything else that are meat only, you know, that when I'm done with them, they I stick them in a jar of star sand and let them sanitize, you know. And, um, you know, and, then, and then they get... I stick them in, you know, when they dry out, I stick them in a plastic bag or something so that they don't get dirty. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the other thing is uh, uh, average 30 seconds to clean a carboy. Uh, yeah, that's uh, better, than my, better than my five minutes for a really dirty one. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it, it pretty much revolutionized my, <laughs> my carboy cleaning. And they have little tiny ones for, the bo for beer bottles, too, oh, and for cool. wine bottles. Oh, yeah, so that's oh, oh! I may have to go look and go look into that. Yeah, no, I was just thinking that because I stick Jeez. mine in the dishwasher, but even the dishwasher doesn't get all the, you know, splooge out of there. If they, especially if they've sat. My husband has a bad habit of taking my carboys and buckets and setting them out on the covered porch, which means they get covered up in pollen and dust and blah, you know. And it's like cleaning them is kind of a pain. Right. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Because I have so much free time, you know. I mean, right. Yeah. Although I am so gonna make, I am so gonna make a bomb after having Bray on a couple of weeks ago. I'm like really pumped to do that. And I know I've got three quarters of a pail of uh, metal foam around here somewhere. So I just got, I just got to make the time to go down to my brew shop and get some ale yeast. Because I've never, I've always used wine yeast for my mead. So I've got to go get some ale yeast and. Uh, give this a shot and see what I can produce because I'm curious, you know? Yeah, I actually have yeah. a packet of that in my fridge. I just haven't had the time and inclination to sit down and use it. Yeah. 
Now that's the thing. So once I get through, spring's going to be really busy. I've got a lot of things going on with my black potter group that we're doing. So I'm going to be between juggling mm. this and that. You know, I'm going to be like that. And of course, I have the, like a real job and stuff. So you know, yeah, not a lot of free time. So what about what about you, Alan? What do you? How do you sanitize? So my favorite thing now is having a spray bottle of sanitizer on the ready to go when use? brewing. Star sand for everything. Uh, yeah, I'm a big star sand fan too. I should probably experiment some stuff. I know one of the guests on your show a while back, or somebody who called in and mentioned like rotating through sanitizers, and that's probably something I should try at some point. I know I've had a couple meads that have kicked off and gone really well and funky, but it doesn't help when I'm regularly trying to cultivate wild yeast, so I just get random stuff in my house, and it's like, oh, hey, I don't know where that came from. And <laughs> some really weird photos of things that I wish were sanitized better. Like, I made a a Dwojniak, or Dwojniak, but I gotta get, I gotta get Merrick to pronounce it again. Um, well, I think Dwojniak is right, but uh, I gotta, uh, I gotta get uh, Merrick on the show. It's hard getting them with their time frame. You guys are recorded, so you can time it differently. Yeah, um, we actually, we recorded with him speaking all the Polish mead names when we were at the Mazer Cup this year. So oh, nice. Good. Yeah, you guys gotta give cool. me some uh, footage um, on that so we can do a... That's do about a all we got from the Mazer Cup, though, unfortunately. It was oh, a, a busy time. You can't well, volunteer and record. Very um, true. Well, we'll but yeah, next year. I'll be there, and we'll, between us, we'll be able to figure yes. out. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, we'll I take didn't a day mean to off. abandon you guys this year, but I really had no choice. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure that one grew all sorts of funky things. I had, like, weird spindly things growing in it. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. It's like... It's sitting there. It's a three-gallon batch. I'm like, huh, one day I'll rack it, and hopefully it's drinkable. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like back of the closet for... You forget about it until you, you have to. to think to, about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I the, the spray bottles really helped a lot for spot cleaning. So if I'm doing something, especially if I'm just making a batch, oftentimes you don't really have to sanitize that much that requires wasting the star stand for five gallons so if i can spray bottle everything down if it's mostly clean from the last time i used it it saves a lot in just general waste of star sands you're not going and wasting an ounce every time you have to every brew day yeah. um, bottling is a whole other story because i definitely soak in buckets for bottles just to get them as clean as possible yeah yeah okay. yeah that's another good one um bottle washing how does had, everybody handle that? What I've got is a three-gallon pail that fits seven wine bottles, and I put a little bit of dish soap in each one and then fill them all up with hot water, fill, a, fill the rest of the bucket up with hot water, let it soak long enough to soften the labels, scrape the labels off with a spoon, and then get the uh, bottle brush in. And um, I have uh, one of the little bottle blaster things that attaches to, this, to the faucet. And that's what I use to rinse once I've emptied. And what I do is I have this whole circuit, you know, put the timer on for 10 minutes, let it sit, and then um, scrub them all. And then, you know, pick up another bottle and empty the old one into so that I keep the, keep the hot water going for as long as it's still hot. And so I just sort of have, have this sort of 10-minute timer where I let them soak and then scrub seven bottles, put seven new bottles in with the, with the same stuff from the old bottles, and then uh, bottle blast them and put them on the tree. All of my stuff is beer bottles. I don't I don't cork anything. Um, so generally, it's it's a very any beer bottle that I drink immediately gets rinsed when it's done and then set aside. So I'm not worried about any gunk growing. If I don't rinse it, I throw the bottle away. It's not worth the effort. Um, I usually soak labels off with OxyClean. 
It works for most labels. Um, a couple things are really difficult to get out. Mm. I really need to figure out how to get a bee nectar label off of a bottle because yeah, I no, love you... the bottle sizes, and, and I just I, I've got nothing there. that gets it off. Yeah, you're like, have uh, you tried Goo Gone? Glue or something, you know? Yeah. Have you tried Goo Gone? Steel wool. Uh, I haven't. Yeah, because the my for getting labels off, my first process is soak, and if that doesn't work and it leaves a lot of gummy stuff. Um, sometimes really good hot water will cause it to let go, and then I just end up with gummy all over my spoon. Mm -hmm. And then, um, if that doesn't work, there's a couple of brands that have labels where you can peel some of the paper off, but it doesn't take all of it off. And those ones, I have Goo Gone, the spray gel, and you just lay them out on a paper towel, spray them, let them soak for a bit, and then you gotta wipe off the stuff. And then, of course, you have to wash them again, because you don't want Goo Gone in your mead. Yeah. I'll tell you, the easiest thing I have found reusing it to get labels off is um, um, Redstone. He, you know, mm. he uses those really cool blue 500 uh, and, and one liter, <laughs> yeah, 500 mil and one liter bottles. And, um, and they're all flip top too, which is and, really nice. Yeah, and they're Grolsch bottles. So yeah, I, I like grab those every opportunity I get. Yeah, I don't have as many opportunities as I used to, but... Um, I managed to glom on to two, three cases of them along the way. Used they used to pour at the local Ren Fair before it crashed and burned, so I got a lot of extra bottles that way. But, uh, yeah, getting the labels off those was easy peasy. I mean, you get them wet and they just peel right off. And I was just like, thank you, David. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, if the Goo Gone doesn't work, they go back to the, they go to the recycle. I just don't deal with them anymore. Right. Yeah, I, I, I use champagne bottles. Okay. Lots of champagne bottles, because uh, they 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 have the they have the larger the larger champagne bottle uh, crown cap, which I got the adapter for my for my bottle my bottle capper from my beer days. Oh, cool! And they're great. Just, yeah, you just cap cap away and seven fifty, and they're great. Huh. You know, mo most of them are very easy to get the labels off. Well, just hot water. I did not know that. That's that's a good. Oops, sorry. That's a good tip. That's just me knocking shit over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I saw some I saw how they uh they degorged the champagne bottles and I noticed that all of them had crown caps on them before they got to the degorging part. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> if they if they're carbonated and they have uh these crown caps where and I did a little research and so it's a basically a two dollar adapter that you put onto your onto your beer bottle capper and go, you know, you're done. It's great. Cool. Anybody else got tricks for handling bottles? I don't know. I use a great big pail. I've got a, um, I'm not even sure what kind of, it's, it's this giant wide mouth pail. So the top is much wider than the bottom and it's got rope handles in it. I have no idea what kind of pail it is. I just got it somewhere. But I fill it up with star sand solution, and I basically just dump all my bottles in there, which they've already been through the dishwasher at that point. So they've been, they got rinsed when they were finished, so they didn't have gunk in the bottom of them. Then I run them through the dishwasher, which really wash them out good. Then I throw them in a bucket of star sand and make sure they all get full when I put them in there, and then just let them hang out there for a while while I'm racking and everything. That'll do it. Yeah. And so far, knock on wood, knocking on my desk, um, I have not had a uh, bottle go sideways on me, so, you know, I've been lucky. Yeah, like, and ever since I got that little, that little rod thing with the drill, I mean, that's, that's, that makes a snap. 
the snap to wash the bottles too. So how does that nice. work for the how does that work for the ones with the really deep dimples? The really deep dimples. Uh, oh, uh, that's a, I, it. Works fine. Okay. But the, the champagne bottles seem to get clean. Yeah, because you know what what happens is it bends a little bit and it actually gets in there. And, okay. You know, so it scrubs them out. Yeah. I, yeah, should those... a, I should put a video up on, on YouTube uh, of how it works. Yeah, and link me so I can put it up on Got Mead. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll totally I'll do link, we'll link it to the show, and we'll link it, and we'll link it just to the site. Yeah, that'd be and awesome. We'll okay. that Facebook page and, you know, stuff. And then everybody will buy one, and we will all be happy. Yeah. Alan is <laughs> teasing a little bit on the, uh, with the spoon thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what goes on on Twitter when you're not looking? Uh, hey, that's not me. That's all Tyson. That's... Oh, that Tyson? Oh, yeah, Tyson's listening just... in. He can't oh. call in. Oh, hey, Tyson. I did, yeah. Maybe maybe we'll tease him into calling. Yeah, yeah, he's, right? he's the one <laughs> tweeting now. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I know I didn't... better than to tweet when I'm on the show. Yeah, well, I don't know. You guys have done it before. We got in trouble, remember? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I... I tend to tweet things that are nonsensical when I'm talking to people. Oh, so yeah, yeah. All, I, I just, you know, it happens. So, yeah, okay, so Tyson. Sorry, Tyson. I, all I saw was just me. I didn't even look to see if it was drinker, nut maker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> goes to show you, which, you know, like you were just saying, Alan, you know, it's like, yeah, it's kind of like focusing on that and talking at the same time kind of hard. I can't do it. It's not. Mm. Not, not possible. I've gotten better at dividing my attention. That means my speech gets a little stilted when I'm doing it, but I can manage. Uh, but, yeah, he said, uh, with a spoon. <laughs> he yes, he because it's to... got a bit of a curve for the bottle. Well, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, we were just, we just kind of... And it makes a really annoying noise that pisses off my husband. It's oh great. Oh, God. Yeah, but it's like fingers on a blackboard, right? Not really. Um, it's actually not much worse than the um, twisted um, bottle brush um, hitting the neck of the bottle. It's oh, not okay. much worse than that. Oh, okay. he, but, he did. Uh, Tyson does want to mention that baking soda also works really well for soaking off labels. Yeah, it does. Hot water okay. baking soda. Maybe I'll try adding some baking soda to the next batch of obnoxious labels I've got, because I've got a friend who keeps giving me the bottles with the obnoxious labels. Another one that works, and the, the downside of this is that it's really hard to then get it off the bottles, but it does ensure that the bottles are also clean, is Comet. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, this stuff is, uh, we use it, you know, like, it, We've discovered that, like, okay, say if you've got a bottle that, uh, or, or just, you know, a piece of a pot or a pan or a piece of glassware or something that's got something you just cannot get off of there, if you just pour a little comet in the bottom and cover it up with water and let it sit for a couple of hours, it will totally let go because this stuff will just eat through anything. And um, so, you know, I mean, if you basically what I do is I get the bottles wet, sprinkle them with comet over the label, and then dunk them back in the water and let them sit there, you know. But then, of course, you have to get the comet off the bottles and out of the bottles, and that's the downside. Yeah, that's a lot of rinsing. It is a lot of rinsing, yeah. Well, there, that's where the dishwasher comes in handy. <laughs> yeah, I find mine doesn't get stuff up into bottles very well. Oh, yeah. Now, I've got Mine's pretty good. At, at, it's pretty powerful. It's new-ish. It hasn't started to fade yet, so. <laughs> you know. The last one died completely. I had to buy a new one, you know. All right, before we move on to the next topic, anybody got any final comments on sanitation? Or bottle washing. No, I think we covered it pretty well. All right. All right cool. Next thing, taking notes. 
because that one's always important. You know, you get so many people who come on and they say, well, I dumped a bunch of honey and a bunch of water together and I put some yeast in. Well, what kind of yeast do you use? I don't know. How much water did you use? Well, I don't know. How much honey did you use? I don't know. Do you know your name? I don't know. You know. So, what are the important things to take note of? I find um, a full list of all ingredients. I like to make sure that anything that goes in my mead gets listed on on my list. Um, and uh, then also every step that I take and the timing of it as well. And I also will... Um, I will do my math on the side of the page, um, trying to figure out how much nutrients I'm going to put where, and I will, will, you know, put my, I'll put my nutrient addition amounts um, in empty on, on empty lines. Like what I do is every time I touch the mead, I have a line. You know, did this, looked at that, comment this, and you know, if if you see anything interesting, take note of it. You know, when it starts bubbling, take note of it. You know. And the notes that I took as a beginner, because I didn't know what I needed to look for, were a lot more copious than the notes that I take as um, a more experienced and lazier mead maker now. Um, because I know what I'm looking for, and I only record something now if it's, you know, not what is expected, or if it's, you know, out of the ordinary. So, you know, I don't I don't record that, you know, it smells like it's fermenting, because, of course, it smells like it's fermenting, because it's fermenting. But, you know, try to, I always make sure that I uh, take a, an initial specific gravity and um, I try to make sure that everything's at room temperature when I do that because I can't be bothered to care about, you know, temperature, um, adjusting it for temperature. Right. So I just assume that if it's at room temperature, it's at room temperature, so I don't need to make any corrections for it. Um, so I always put, you know, the date, the time, and whatever I've done to my meat after I've written down the original recipe and all my procedures. I think that's about that's about the same thing that I do. The the, the thing that I that I the mistakes that I made when I first started out was the date. I forgot to put the date on a couple of things, and then a couple three four months down the line, you're like, wait a minute, uh, is this six months old or two months old or when did I start this? <laughs> and the date is very important, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's. I think you, that that's pretty much exactly what I do, as far as you know, what I write down. Um, but for, for the beginner, I think it's important to, uh, you know, write down the date and all the amounts, and um, and then what you did when, uh, because you know, and and every every time that you write something down. Um, or that you do something to your meat, you really should be taking a gravity. So, you know, and that's that's important. Other than that, I don't see really, you know, until, until you, by the time you get advanced enough that you have to put other stuff, you're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's definitely some value to, you know, taking notes about, like, what it looks like and what it smells like at every step of the process as a beginner so that you know what you should be looking for and you know what becomes, what you know what's normal so that you know when something is not normal. Right. Yeah, and other people can uh, that are starting out can see your notes later on and say, hey, that's, yeah, okay, I got that too. You know. Exactly. Any other comments? I would also add to do all of your math equations, and in other words, before you actually start hands-on making your must or doing your procedures, 
Write all it down so you know how much of K2CO3 you're going to add and how many, you know, grams of this and that for your SNAs and so that you don't have to stop and try to figure all that stuff out when everything's going off right in front of you. Well, actually, that leads into the next um, the next item that I wanted to talk about, which was um, uh, getting things set up before you start, including yeah. researching and asking questions about your ingredients. And, you know, also doing the math and making sure you've got everything in the house that you need so you don't have to, you know, make a midnight run to your brew store. Right. I, I would actually recommend if you're, a, if you're a, a beginning meat maker, don't do math. Uh, get yourself a proven <laughs> recipe, you know, and follow the recipe, that, which remember, I think last week we were saying these are not recipes, these are formulas. So especially when you're first starting out, it's important to get a, a proven recipe and follow it to the letter so that you can at least uh, try and replicate something that somebody's already proven works. You know, and when you have those, if you go to the, to Arswan Gottmead, for example, you go to the, to the member area where they have all the good, um, where they have all the proven recipes, like from Oscar and these guys and, and Bray. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those are a great way to start out. It's all done for you. Just follow it. That's a really good point for a beginner too. But uh, you know, oftentimes you'll have somebody who's got something that they want to turn into a mead, and so they're going to be formulating their mm-hmm. own recipe. Right. That's true. That's true. Well, hopefully not. But, not mead, but <laughs> I think if, if, if the brand new that, people, go ahead, Manny. Yeah, I'm saying if they if they if they have something that they want to make into a into a mead that's never been made before, I would hope if they're beginners that they would seek seek out somebody who's already been doing this and get some get some advice from them first. You know, just don't dive in with all this like like you did with the 27 uh, uh, spices. <laughs> <laughs> that was Vicky. <laughs> all right, oh, it was Vicky. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry, no, I'm, I'm guilty. Gonna I'm guilty of far worse well, crimes, but carry on. Sorry. I would suggest for for new meat makers to don't go off and try to start making your own crazy stuff right away. Make some things that are in the proven recipe section in the patrons section of God Need, um, or or at least double check and make sure you know. Talk to some of the other people on the forum and say, "This is what I plan on doing. What do you think?" I think we all see all the time people get on and say, well, I did this, and now I'm screwed up, and how can you help me? And they don't have well and good enough taking notes that, that we can be of much help, and, you know, they, they miss things. I would just say start with the main and plain things for a while and color within the lines before you think you're bad and go. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's also some really good... Help, do, you, do you have... A, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a couple of really good resources if you're using different fruits. If you can't find something on Gottmead, um, Jack Keller's website has a lot of wine recipes that are good for mead. You just have to, or that, or that are good for different fruits. You just have to keep in mind that if you're taking a wine recipe and converting it to a mead recipe, don't add any acid to it. That's pretty much the the thing if you're gonna if you're going into that. Because I mean, let's face it, a lot of people are just suddenly, you know. 
the grapes were on sale or the strawberries were on sale and suddenly you've got all this fruit. You want to do something with it and you've got the fruit in hand. You need to figure out quickly what you're going to do with it. You don't have a couple of days to wait for people to respond to your forum post. So you do the research that you can. And That's true. That's true. Those people, I usually tell them three months later, I ask them if they have a still. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be good for me. Well, it depends. I mean, if you started as a winemaker, then, you know, it, the, you get used to how to do all of this stuff, too. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. If you're coming to Mead as a, as a beer maker or a winemaker, you've got, you've got 15 legs up on everybody else because you already have a lot of good habits, or we hope. Yeah, but there's, <laughs> but there's also know. a couple of things you might not know. Oh, like, absolutely. You know, absolutely. For the beer makers, you don't have to boil everything. Honest. <laughs> and, you know, again, for the winemakers, don't add acid up front if you're using honey. I made that mistake myself for a very long time. Right. Now, I'm I not think sure a lot of the old, I think a lot of the old wine recipes also tell you to add clarifiers up front. I don't know how many people would say that's the right thing to do in today's modern age. Well, I don't know about that either because, you know, the first thing I ever did uh, was make a wine kit, and that's what it has you do. The wine kits have you add your uh, bentonite right up front. And what happens is because you're stirring it all the time, all the little particles get stuck to the big particles because you're stirring it all the time, and that's how you end up with the clear wine in a month. Uh Uh-huh. And it works. So, you know, I've, I've, um, I've, I've done it once or twice with, um, I think I did it last time I used 7-1-B in the hopes that I'd get more of it to settle out before I racked it so I wouldn't have to rack it again so soon. Right. I have done it once, and it did clear, you know, rather quickly. And I don't, I haven't been around for that long, but I see a lot of the old recipes for, um... You know, some kind of moss, isn't that also to be a clarifier? Yeah, Irish moss. Yeah, Irish moss. Yeah, Irish Irish moss. moss. And do do people even use that anymore? I don't know, beer folk do, don't they? I I think think it's a beer thing. Yeah, it's kind of like a handlebar mustache of beer, I guess, if you really (laughs) want to use it, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but again, because it's a beer, you got to put it in beforehand, because you can't just dump that in afterwards. Because, you know, beer, got to right. boil it. Otherwise, it might go funky on you. Yeah, and God help you, don't ever take your eyes off it, even for a second. <laughs> We've all had to clean our stove from a boil over. Honey does it too. Yeah, yeah, but not quite as uh, abruptly as, as uh, <laughs> beer does. Yeah, I, just the my husband made it and, like, literally took our eyes off it in, in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> It was just waiting for you. I haven't ever done that, but I have taken my eyes off of a carboy while I was racking and turned around and I've got a bunch of meat running all around the floor. Done that, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially when you think that racking cane is still working, but really the little spring in there is stuck and it's not. You know. mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the bottle filler. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually got so I stopped using bottle fillers because so many of them they're they're just cheap, you know. And uh, I I finally got to where I bought one of those um, uh, clamp doohickeys. You slide over the tubing and you can just zap it down like a, it's almost like a um, ratchet strap, you know. And you zap it down and it completely closes the tubing. 
Yeah. I tried that. It hurt my thumb, so I just used my leaky little bottle filler. Yeah. But, uh... I, yeah, I use my bottle. I, I use, I use the, 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 the same bottling bucket I used to use for beer. I just transferred it over to mead use. It's, mm. you know, it's got a little faucet and done. No big deal. I had one of those and it leaked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Half my carboy's got the spigot at the bottom, which is great for racking. You just open and close the stopcock, but... Uh, yeah. It's not great if the gasket starts to go. Yeah, and, you know, I'm here to tell you, raspberry mead is, <laughs> um, is, is just, you know, and I'm just, just putting this out there for, you know, for as a PSA, public service announcement. <laughs> raspberry mead causes those things to deteriorate really fast. I came, we've, and, and we've had this conversation before. I came home to look like somebody had <laughs> been murdered in my kitchen. There was a pool of redness, you know. Oh, it's awful! It looked like a it looked like a scene from uh, Law and Order. It was hilarious. <laughs> well, mine was just the banana wine, which is no big loss. The damn stuff still hasn't cleared, and it's probably been ten years. <laughs> this was actually a pretty good raspberry mill. And the really ridiculous one, the really ridiculous thing was, is that that particular batch was just a pain. It just was determined to be a pain. <laughs> first, it did that, and you know, so I lost like a good chunk of it there, and it stained my foundation because it leaked through the hardwood hardwood floor and out to the foundation. And then the rest wow. finally got bottled, and at least half of that decided to just go pop, and so they looked like somebody had been murdered in my basement too. You know, it's just like God. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, is it something of the acid? Is the acid in the fruit like especially? you know, harmful to rubber or something or I, silicone? No, I think it's just that raspberry is a devil, you know. I mean, There may also <laughs> be some weird enzymes in it or something, too. Yeah, it might be because I've done yeah. other raspberry mills and not had that happen, you know, but that particular one was just, it was the devil. It was it was a haunted need, you know, I mean it just wasn't gonna, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, another thing you will find when you start bottling and you suddenly need something that's out of reach and you can't let go of anything, you really, really, really want to have all your stuff set up and in within reach before you start. Especially if you don't yeah, have somebody you can say, hey, honey, can you hand that to me? Yeah, riddling through yeah, the tree going, where's my, where's my uh, racking cane is just not good. Well, not so much that, but, you know, once you've gotten it started, okay, um, where's the last bottle I need? Yeah. Or, you know, the when you've, when you, what I tend to do is, for bottling, I fill my uh, hose with sanitizing solution, mm -hmm. and um, then just attach it to, you know, I stick the uh, racking hose into the carboy, and then fill the, put the bottle, the bottle filler on the bottom, and then fill the whole hose with water, or with um, sanitizing solution, and then, um you got to put that somewhere. So you got to have a sanitized vessel that you can put that in. And you got to remember to do that before you hook it up to the the carboy. You know, these are these are things I have done wrong. Learn learn from me. I am your bad example. Uh, well, you are the professional bad example. I mean, we, oh, yeah. we be Absolutely. that way. So, yeah. I I'm established as a bad example. Yeah. So, Robin, you guys still on? I guess they're gone. I guess they're gone, yeah. Okay, I'm not surprised. They probably, I'm sure they had lives to get back to. Um, <laughs> well, I guess we're coming up on 11, so um, what I wanted to talk about also was ingredient quality, how to treat your yeast right, and get a goddamn hy hydrometer and learn how to use it. So I guess we can do those for next week. 
Yeah, those are those are conversations that'll take up a whole episode right there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bubbles per second. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Oh God, I know, right? So it's bubbling. Yeah. And you know that was actually what we used to use back in the day. I mean, you've been making mead long enough to know that that was how they measured it then. But there's a lot of people that somehow have carried over with, even though there's all this readily available equipment now that is readily available then. You know, back before the pervas- pervasiveness of the internet, bubbles because there wasn't brew shops everywhere and Google wasn't out there and nobody had online stores, so getting a hydrometer wasn't all that easy. Mm-hmm. You know, then yeah, okay, count bubbles. You know, but hey, Vicky, sorry. yeah, but even even my brew shop back. No, oh, I'm sorry. Who my, that my you said, shop. Hey, Vicky? Yeah, that was, that was me, Robin. I was on oh, mute. Oh, hey, uh, there you are. We didn't know if you guys had decided to take off or what, you know. No, it's really interesting listening to all this stuff. I've uh, learned a couple of things. <laughs> oh, uh, there you go. You guys are teaching the pros. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. I was going to say, even, even my brew shop back in 1987 uh, was doing the bubble per minute. He said, well, when you get down to one bubble per minute, you're almost done. Yeah, yeah, that's what he told me, too. Yeah, it was like, well, yeah. The thing is, if you've got a, we should be doing this next week, but like if you've got a carboy that doesn't leak, that's about right. It's a good indication, but you should be treating your, use your bubbles as an indication of when to stick your hydrometer in. Exactly. Yeah. It just means your fermentation is slowing down. Yeah, I should add, he told me that while he was handing me a hydrometer that I was buying. Yeah. That's a good time. When it gets down to a bubble per minute, then use your hydrometer should be the sentence that follows that, you know. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we'll defer that discussion until next week. Okay. So, yeah, um, I do have one uh, because uh, one one little commercial I want to do because uh, we kind of got going sooner and quicker than we thought. And I want to give Robin and his family the uh, opportunity to uh, blow their horn a little bit here. So, uh, the Vikings... Shall I read that one? Yeah, go for it. Knock yourself out. (laughs) Uh, Don't make me do that literally. Viking Alchemist is Georgia's next big thing in the craft beverage world. We're the newest and second meadery in the state with more to follow. We've been open for only one month and are delighted to have over 800 followers on Facebook already. We use all natural ingredients and source everything as close to the mead hall as possible. If you're in the Atlanta area, stop by and enjoy a glass of our blueberry or peach meads made with only the finest fruit grown right here in Georgia. Or check us out online on Facebook or at vikingalchemist.com. And remember, all you Viking Alchemist fans, drink our mead responsibly. It's all fun and games until somebody loses a village. I love that line. That's just so cool. <laughs> we, were, we were giggling about that, Robin, before the show we were. up. But it was just like, ah, lose the village. That's so awesome. Barbarian Pentathlon! <laughs> <laughs> Definitely going on a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, totally. And when it does, uh, make sure you get girl-shaped t-shirts. Just saying. I know you women folk will make sure of that, you know. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because we'll buy one. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It's cool. Actually, I'll be up there. I'll be up there very soon. There you go. Uh, in May, I'm going for a wedding. So I'm going to go visit. There you go. Well, we're open Wednesday nights and Saturdays, but if you're uh, here another time, just uh, ping us on Facebook or whatever, and we'll uh, stop by just for uh, whatever, whenever you're there. Cool. Well, it'll be, it'll be on the weekend. <laughs> right. Yeah, i got to say one of my big takeaways from listening to your conversation was uh, uh, make sure you uh, your labels can come off the bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please, because we like to reuse the bottles. That's if you want people reusing them. Yeah. 
that's not really such a consideration for a professional mead maker, though, because I think you're only allowed to use new bottles. Yeah, which is oh, a we are, yeah. Yeah, which is a yeah. dang shame. You know, if the feds could figure out some way to make it so that we could bring the bottles back for, like, discounted refills, that would be so awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. We actually do that. Yeah, we actually do that. We're not going to – we can't reuse the bottles necessarily, but uh, uh, we want to kind of encourage the recycling. So uh, we've actually, we're, we're going to start this thing where you bring back 12 and you get a free bottle. Oh, nice. That's a really great idea. Cool. That's cool. That's a, that's a marketing tool that others are going to be stealing now that you've said that, but, you know. But you know what? I never even thought of the idea of uh, the home guys uh, wanting to use bottles. I mean, that's what we did. We're scrounging all the time. And well, especially if you've got bottles. really cool bottles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The cooler, no. I've got bottles from meteries that don't even exist anymore because they were cool bottles. You know. yeah, collector's items. Yeah. But not if you yeah, took we, the label off. Our first bottles were Redstone, just like you were saying. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I love Redstone. My Redstone bottles are my favorite bottles shout out to david myers please don't ever change your bottles because you know, i'm gonna keep keep saving them and keep reusing them no, that, i even that go out and label. buy new i even go out and buy new because uh, you know they're they're girls tops so i can go out and buy new grommets for them and they you know when the rubber <laughs> gaskets wear out is go buy new ones mm-hmm. that's what i do with them yeah, they're they're amazing. I mean, they're for me. I love them because they're my cash and carry bottles. I can take those, fill them, take them to a party, bring home the remainder, drink that, wash the bottle out, refill it, and you know it's all good. Mm-hmm. I don't have to remember to take cool. a corkscrew with me, which you know, granted, I always have a corkscrew with me, but still. Uh, this is why I often reuse screw top bottles too. I just wash the caps really well. Mm-hmm. I've never had an issue with it. Yeah, and a small point on the sanitization. If you're going to use screw top bottles, make sure when you finish the bottle that you wash and sanitize that cap immediately because spooge will grow in the crevices of that cap and you will never be able to get it out, ever. Actually, one of the things I have found with bottles is I don't rinse them. I stick the cork or cap back in or back on, as the case may be, uh-huh. and the alcohol that's still in there usually is enough to keep it from getting fuzzy, whereas I find if I rinse them and they don't dry completely, then they get fuzzy. Uh, yeah, there's probably that, too. So, yeah, if, if you can't clean them all the way right away, I just, just put the cap back on or put the cork back in, and then, you know, then it's just a little bit of liquid wine when I have to go and clean it instead of having, you know, wine scunge and dead spiders. Oh, yeah, that was one thing that we didn't talk about in the sanitation when you're bottling. Um, Make sure if you're using crown caps to keep them in a bucket of sanitizer. Mm -hmm. A lot of of people make the mistake of just grabbing them dry out of the bag and capping the thing, and they ruin it. Who knows where it's been? Yeah. Exactly. Actually, I have one of those little um, bottle. you put the stuff in the in the bowl, and it's got a valve. You put the bottle over top of it. You push it down, and it sprays the sanitizer up into the bottle. Uh-huh. Uh, bottle mm-hmm. rinser thing, I think. Anyways, I'm, I use one of those, and once I've got all the bottles washed, then I count out how many corks I'm going to need, and I throw the corks in or the caps in. You know, I've I've seen people cork right out of the order the package, and I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? You're, well, you're supposed to soak them anyway. It makes it easier. Oh, no, you're not. You're specifically not supposed to soak corks anymore. Oh, well, the ones I had, you were supposed to. I haven't, I haven't yeah. in a while, so. Eh, definitely not a cork soaker. <laughs> <laughs> a 
<laughs> sounds like vaguely dirty, you know. <laughs> yeah. You're the one that you're the one that set the settings on this I, show. I, I did. Yeah, it's a good thing I always click explicit. You just never know where we're gonna go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Apple, <coughs> Apple requires me to choose, so I figure air on the side of safety. Most of my listeners are over eighteen anyway, so. Well, if they're making meat, hopefully they are. No guarantees. Yeah, there is. True. Yeah. No, that's true. If you're in Europe, you're, if you're old enough to ask for it, you're old enough to drink it. Yeah, very true. Well, yeah, Queens, New York also, when I grew up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I want to start winding things up, and we got some upcoming events and uh, things that I want to get out there for uh, folks what care. Uh, April 14th, which is uh, this Thursday, uh, 111 Bistro is... Uh, at uh, do, 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 where the heck are they? 111 Bistro is holding a five-course B United International, their distributor beer dinner, at 6:30 p.m. And I'm gonna have to go look up where exactly that is and put it on the website because I thought I had it in here. But anyway, one of the things they're serving is Viking's Blood Mead uh, with orange spice cake, honey ice cream, and hibiscus cream and caramel lace, which sounds pretty yummy. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're also doing uh, Hitchichino White Ale from Japan with a spicy ahi tuna roll, Ballad and Nora Spice Beer from Italy with spicy braised lamb shakes, couscous, uh, arancini, date gastrique, uh, etched. Uh, I'm sure I'm mangling this. Uh, Pete can beat me up later. Schlenkerla Marzen with, uh, it's a Rausch smoked beer from Germany with barbecued spare ribs, Yukon potato salad, and then uh, Abbe de Saint-Bonchin beer de garden strong pale ale from Switzerland with cocoa cherry duck wings. Are you drilling it? I am. Yeah, I totally am. Yeah, I know, right? And hmm. that's at uh, a 111 Bistro, which is someplace, and I'll have to look it up because I thought I'd put it in here, and apparently somehow I didn't. Um, uh, on April 20th and April 27th at the Atomic... Oh, wait, 111 Bistro, and are they in Cleveland? I think so, yeah. They're, okay, I'll look them up. Yeah, this turned up, this turned up on, my, uh, on my news feed, so uh, I thought it sounded interesting. But um, there's a mead mixology mixer at the Atomic Fern in Durham, North Carolina. That's my neck of the woods, and I will actually be there on April 20th. Uh, they are also doing this on April 27th from 6 to 8 p.m. The Atomic Fern is, and I'll copy and paste this stuff to the web to the uh, show page, guys, so you'll be able to see it for this episode. Uh, 108 East Parish Street uh, in Durham. They are uh, sampling some new mixed drinks made with five different Honey Girl meads. Honey Girl's a new meadery in Durham. And they're going to have voting for your favorite. The winning drink will go on the drink menu at the Atomic Fern. $10 for five drink samples and one vote per night. Voting will occur on both nights, and they'll announce the winner on the 27th. Nice. Yeah, so they've got local mixologists that are creating seasonal cocktails from the Honey Girl meads, so this should be interesting. Um... Vasir Meadery is having their grand opening. See, Robin, you could have sent this to me, and I would have announced it on the show. Um, is having their grand opening on Thursday, April 28th at 11 a.m. at their location in Alta Vista, Virginia. This is an invitation-only event, and it's being keynoted by the Virginia Commissioner of Agriculture. So visit Vasir, V-A-H-S-E-E-R dot com to inquire about obtaining an invitation. There will be tastings going on. This is a great chance to check out a new meadery. Um, Let's not forget about Mead for Your Dye, April 30. It's one of the 
biggest mead competitions in the country and a definite must-do for any mead maker or professional meadery who wants to compete to attend. Check them out at meadfreeordie.com. And then we've got, what, one last one here, and this one's a little further out. The UC Davis Honey and Pollination Center, which is part of the Robert Mondavi Institute, uh, has a, uh, thanks for linking me, uh, Tyson and Alan, because uh, I had this on my list and hadn't put it on here yet, so thanks for reminding me. They have their Honey Sensory Experience, May 20th and 21st. Two days featuring a survey of nature's perfect sweet honeys from across the globe. So this is the essential course for the professional buyer, importer, category manager, producer, packer, or anyone else who wants to gain expertise in the area of honey analysis. They have expert teachers who guide participants through a unique tasting and educational odyssey. You can find out more about that at honey.ucdavis.edu slash events slash honey dash sensory dash experience. And then our final piece is next week we have John Talkington, new uh, owner of Brimminghorn Meadery. He also works at uh, Dogfish Head Brewery now, and he's been making mead for quite a while. So, um, and those of you that know him know he has some very definite ideas on mead and things that work and don't work. So it should be very interesting to have him on the show. We're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what do we got next week for uh, Back to Basics? Uh, next week we're going to continue with what we didn't get to today, and I'll probably come up with some other stuff, but uh, ingredient quality, uh, how to handle your yeast, um, and what to do with a hydrometer, and why you want one. Use it, damn it. <laughs> or else. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, you got anything you want to add? Uh, I'll hopefully be adding the uh, uh, sometime between now and the next time we get on the air um, the video of how those little cleaners work on YouTube so we can show everybody. Yeah, definitely link that. We'll put it on the show. We'll put it on the uh, episode page so that people can get to it easy. Okay. Awesome. Awesome sauce. All right. So without further ado, then uh, say goodnight, Ryan. Good night, everybody. All right. Say good night, Manny. Good night, everybody. All right. And uh, Robin and family, say good night. Thank you for being on the show. Good night. It was our pleasure. We're glad to have you. You'll be back. Thanks. You've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> say good night, Alan. Um, if you're listening, you just like went all static. I don't know what the heck that was all about. Um, so Alan says, which translated means good night. <laughs> and um, say good night, AJ. Good night, AJ. And thank you, everybody, for being on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming, and we'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, man. <laughs>